You're listening to Around Comics, November 2010. That was weak. Really? Yeah, it sounded weak. What do you want? I don't know. Boom. I want some boom. Chicago, this is Around Comics. Hey there, folks. Christopher Neesman here. It is great to be back. Great to have you listening. On this November 2010 episode, uh, Brian Salazar and I are joined by Kyle Figley, the news editor for Comic Book Resources, and creator, Mr. Tim Seeley. We're going to be talking about a variety of subjects, including The Walking Dead, Halloween, Symbols, Hitler, Avengers, Earth's Mightiest Heroes, comic book storytelling, Apples vs. Cake, Clint, and a whole lot more. We join the conversation in progress talking about The Walking Dead. <laughs> what did you get? You, you watch it? Yeah, I just I caught the uh, the first episode um, on Tuesday because I'd watched it a little later. But it, uh, yeah, I really liked it. It was really well done. I mean, you know, it. The thing is, I don't. I, you get frustrated. You see, it's like, oh, it's exactly the comic, and I know now. I'm always going to have that situation where it's like people are talking about how much they love this show, and you want to go, oh, well, that's exactly how the comic was, but I still sound like a, you know, like I'm kind of a douchebag. Yeah, oh, yeah. wow, the comic was. But what I want to tell them right. is go read the comic. But, right. uh, no, I think it'll, it, it worked really well. The, uh, that was the best zombie makeup I, I think I've seen yeah, ever. That's pretty sweet. Um, because they just did such a realistic take on, on like dead corpses and stuff, which was, uh, kind of brilliant. But, Char- uh, Charlie Adler even looked great. <laughs> was he in there? Yeah, he was, uh, uh, one of the, the last zombies that, that are getting off the bus that start following Rick as he's riding into, uh, yeah. In, into oh, yeah, yeah. The, one of those kind zombies. Of sit up and yeah, one of those zombies was Charlie Adler. Was Kirkman a zombie? Oh, I, he refused I to do it. No, I, I really? yeah, yeah. They, I, I remember somebody talking about it and he was like, no, I'm not going to be on camera. Fuck that. <laughs> yeah. Why the hell because you? I think that, well, a lot of people like. He has a phobia about zombies. Or just, you know, some, like a lot of people it's like. It's not like every day you get a TV show made off. <laughs> I mean, I think there's that weird thing where, I mean, cause people always ask me like, hey, would you do, be in the high slash movie? I'm like, no, I'm a terrible actor. Why would I do that? You know, like, I, I would have no hey, interest Stan in Lee's that. in every Marvel right. movie. Right. But he, he's always been. <laughs> That's a, why he's Stan Lee. <laughs> he's always been like an actor, right? I mean, he wants to be an actor. Right. Or, right. I mean, not, not wants he's to be an actor, but. But I mean, I know that I'm not that guy, so yeah. I would never do that. I would never put some director through like, okay, Seely, do your line. Oh, I can't act, and I'm terrible. And then, you know, what I mean, I don't want to put someone through. Well, that. you don't have pull so a Stephen King. Thing. Really, is yeah, what sure. it is. Yeah. He's put himself at every. Stephen King's been in a lot of his own shit. Yeah. He's yeah. he's always just Stephen King. Like well, him. Alfred Hitchcock has sure. been in, a, in all. And, of his you know, movies or and M Night Shyamalan. To me, yeah, that M. always M. comes across. I, no offense, those guys kind of douchey. Well, I think you do it like Sam Raimi. You just put your car in every car. movie. Yeah, that, that's that, true. That, that, that I like. I yeah. mean, yeah, or you have like a, you know, a little signature they put in something. I think that's, that's cool. But, you know, I, I always thought that sort of so stuff. But to do that from the beginning kind of takes some hubris, doesn't it? It does. <laughs> and it also takes a certain amount of like, uh, I mean, you know. Uh, no, but that's where my point is like, hey, it may, I may never get the chance again. I'm going to do it this time. You know, and it, that sure. would be my thought process. Like, I don't know that I'm ever going to get a mo- you know a movie or anything you know ever again sure. or have the opportunity to be in my own TV show. 
I'm going to do it this fucking time for sure. That you know, it's that would be my thought process. Yeah, you, you, you dress but up I, as a zombie, like you know, like Christmas. You well, put on like zombie makeup. Yeah. <laughs> I your, think it would be an avatar. experience, but you know, yeah. I, I would have liked to see a big old Rolly Kirkman zombie beard. I would have enjoyed <laughs> that, but uh, well, see that I, I think that because I mean, kind, kind of getting some more fun. Is is that like emaciated people? Mm-hmm. Did he? McFarland was in, in the movie. Yeah, I don't remember. He's a bum. Oh, yeah, he's a bum in the he's bum in the alley. Uh, I remember he put himself on the cover for a while when they were doing this. The, he had photo covers like yeah. for like the eight months before the movie came out. And one was just picture of him just oh, you know. Just, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you know, like thin, emaciated people make really good looking zombies, and and Kirkman is not that. He's a hail and actually man. <laughs> as 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 uh, we we saw in Dawn of the Dead remake, fat ladies also make good zombies. Yeah, okay. well, Zombieland, you had the big fat redneck zombie running yeah. around. He was pretty good. I mean, but, you know, I don't think it. I think matters. Kirkman could have. You said that. He could have had a place. Norton turned around and walked out. <laughs> oh, well, <laughs> um, did you guys? Because I, I, I read The Walking Dead obviously before I watched the show, and, and uh, it had been a long time since I had read the first few issues, which the show is or the first episode was based on. Yeah, like, well, issue, issue and, and a half, half something. Issue like and that. Half, yeah. yeah, but uh, even so, watching it, I I knew what was going to happen the whole yeah. time. Like I knew, and and it was weird watching. It, it was sort of like I, I had a hard time judging it. Like well, did, if it was did good. You watch it? Because I watched it with my wife, who hasn't read the comics, and then I was kind of pissed at her afterwards because she loved the show, and I was like, "Why don't you read the fucking comics?" Because you love the movie. But watching it with her, she was like, she she got really into it. She was really like, "Oh, this is so tense." I don't think she kept going. Does this guy die? Does this guy die? Right, right. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. So I know it was effective, uh, even though I mean, obviously for us, we know because they that didn't Rick's change a lot of stuff. Die. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, you go see a movie of Spider Man or something. I mean, obviously, you know, Spider Man's gonna die, but you're there. You know, it's not gonna be exactly like. Right. Some comic. Right. But this, in this case, was literally, in a lot of cases, panel for panel, Tony Moore stuff. Uh, so, you know. But they did, Kirkman did say in one interview I read, he, he said that they are going to yeah, change, change different, things. Yeah. And, and they're going to have which to, they, right? And, yeah. and I think they have such a great ability to do that because in that story, there's so much time that you In could, between panels. Even. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you could go in any direction at any time and really sure. just build a whole other story, you know. You think what, without, <laughs> at any point they're like, Damn, Tony, did you have to draw so many fucking helicopters and tanks? <laughs> the budget to... is going <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah, I thought about that. Where it's like that, especially that one scene where if you were Tony like, you know, seven years ago and you're drawing Walking Dead, you aren't thinking about, oh, someday some poor key grip or like whatever <laughs> is going to have to go get the get key to this helicopter. tank. Yeah, it's like, guy is going to have to go to... I know. honestly, I think that's why they've expanded the whole tank thing because the, the tank wasn't a big prop in in the in the comic. Right. But I'm sure they're like, okay, we got to get this... this we have yeah, a we're going to pay for the tank. <laughs> yeah, we're we going to use the tank. Let's use the tank. <laughs> yeah. we got the tank budget. Let's use the tank. Yeah. The tank could have its own. It'd be the tank and the Walking Dead. I mean, this could be the start of the show. It's that expensive, so yeah. We're There's paying no for the tank. We're paying more for the tank <laughs> yeah, than most of the actors because you never heard of the actors. But we we couldn't use the helicopter. We're gonna use the tank. So. It, it was. I had a weird thing too with that TV show, which was. I mean, obviously I've known Kirkman for years. So, the, and then uh, I went to a, that awards show in Italy, um, and one of the there were one of the actresses there. She was in like Halloween, uh, the the Halloween film, the remake, and um, she was in like a bunch of horror movies and stuff. This this woman named Christina Klebe. And she she kept asking me like, oh, I'm trying out for this when I get back. Anything I should know? And I felt really weird about it because she was trying out for the part of Lori, you know. And I thought she was perfect. I was like, oh, she'll just nail this. But 
And so I kind of tried to help out, but I, what can I do, you know? Right. And she didn't get the part, but uh, then, you know, I, when I was watching the show, I was like, oh, she would have been really good. I hung out with her all weekend. She's a nice girl, good actress. She would have been perfect. So it's like, then I'm watching the show, and I, I can't help but look at the actress they cast as Lori, and she was good. Yeah. But was. part of me is like, well, that, too bad Christina didn't get that part. <laughs> it was a weird, it was a weird thing that I've never had with uh, anything I've watched on TV before or a movie. Speaking you know. of Halloween, just a side, Halloween was just last weekend. Yeah. But, uh, did you happen to catch, um, on, shit, was it Turner Classic Movies or TNT? I think it was. They were running like Halloween night. They were running all these making ofs. Oh. Making of Halloween, oh, that's making cool. of Nightmare oh, no, on Elm Street. They were really good. They were really interesting. Yes, yeah, so that would have been awesome. Yeah, I was, I was, I, you would have liked them. I don't know if you can catch them online or something, but yeah, there were all these making of the you know different eighties. Yeah. Well, because a friend of mine did the uh, actually did the Halloween documentary, the Thirty Years of Terror documentary. Oh, really? Oh. Um, yeah. And so I had seen that. It's great. It's great. It's really interesting. But uh, I'm sure these were different takes. Yeah, they were. Stuff. Like thirty minute little you know short documentaries kind of yeah. behind the scene things, but they were pretty cool. AMC uh, ran Halloween all you know it was like Halloween marathon until they started yeah. getting into the zombie stuff, and and we had it on. It's Halloween is is probably my favorite Halloween movie. I'm not a big gore guy. Horror that, movie or Halloween movie? Uh, horror, okay. both. I guess um, you know I, I'm not into like major gore. It's I just love the suspense that that movie sure. builds up. And so we had the Halloween movies playing all all day long. What the fuck happened with Halloween three? I actually know what happened there. Oh well, then yeah, there you go. Uh, what was that about? Floor is yours. Uh, okay, well, so John Carpenter, when he made the original film, didn't want to do a sequel. They talked him into doing the part two, but he says this mm-hmm. is it for. He wrote it, but he didn't direct it. Right. So he said this is it for Michael. The story ends. And the studio said, well, we want to keep, you know, the franchise. The franchise. And he said, I'll let this. I'll write you a story or, I'll, you know, I'll put this together. You can keep using the title Halloween, but it'll be every movie will be like an anthology. So there'll be a series and every year they'd come out with a new movie that was unrelated to. To do kind of like a creep show thing. Yeah. And exactly. And the only way that they would be related is you'd see the movies on the TVs maybe or whatever, which in Halloween season of which you see, you know, Michael on the TV and stuff. And that was the intent, and but that movie bombed so bad. They went, they went in Michael Myers. And the studio owned yeah. the things, and I think they'd kind of done Season the Witch as sort of like, okay, John Carpenter, we'll do that. Well, yeah. Yeah. And as soon as that, that tank like shit, they're like, ah, uh, now Michael's back, Season, you know, Season the Witch didn't ever happen, and, and it's the thorn, now we're developing our own thing. Cause they owned it, and they could have, they were just kind of being nice, you know, but. So they kept doing Michael but, movies because Michael movies sold and, you know, Killer Mask with a terrible theme song. Takes four days till Halloween. Scared the <laughs> shit out of people and whatever. But to me, that's one of my favorite. I actually love that movie. I think it's brilliant. Season of the Weird. Witch? Yeah, I love it. It is really weird. I, I have Tom not seen Atkins, it since one of my favorite probably actors. it was originally on. is probably the last oh, time. Oh, rewatch it. It's fantastic. I, I may actually have to do that because I remember it not, like, not hating it, but just like, what the hell is this? Yeah, yeah. It, it was a great idea uh, as far as it's like. It was a factory, you know, right? It was a. It was the idea was that <laughs> we're really going to talk about this because I can tell you yeah, I watched yeah. this movie like 30 times <laughs> absolutely alright so Season of the Witch is uh, basically this company called Silver Shamrock is making these masks there's three masks there's a pumpkin a witch and a ghost and they're making these masks and, uh, and this guy finds out that uh, the masks uh, when they're activated on Halloween night are going to basically like destroy these kids or whatever and it's Tom take, Atkins take who's got the, the best mustache ever yeah so he's trying to <laughs> stop this and 
the ads for the Silver Shamrock mask, I don't know why there's so mad. There's just three masks. I don't know why they're so popular, but they're always on TV. And as it counts down, they keep getting closer to the thing, so it's like set on this tension. And you find out in the movie that the they have a fragment of Stonehenge in each mask. Which <laughs> of course they do. Yeah. And when My activated Stonehenge. at midnight on Halloween, uh it, I believe it's midnight, it turns all the kids basically their heads into bugs and and worms. <laughs> <laughs> and so you get that, so remember. Tom Atkins is trying to stop this, and at some point has a sex scene because he's Tom Atkins. He's gotta have a fucking sex scene. That's it. That was that was his Carpenter had a contract, and Tom Atkins had a contract. No, yeah, did Carpenter yeah. write that one? Did he write? Yeah, he three? wrote it or produced it or something. He, he had something. You know, lots. I can't okay. remember the exact, but yeah, he had something to do with it. Uh, and you know, it was his. I'm gonna rent it. I'm gonna yeah. rent it again. And watch I recommend it. it. I think it's a, a great movie on its own. It's you know like. It pisses me off when someone remakes a perfect movie. Like, why remake, you know, Psycho, Psycho, right, or Psycho right. you know. But that is a movie you could remake because it's not a perfect yeah. movie. But it's a great idea and has some hilarious stuff in it. It probably would have been fine if it was just released as, as nothing to do with Halloween. It was sure. just, you release something called Halloween 3 and then yeah. Michael Myers isn't in it. It has nothing to do Where with... Where is yeah. Jamie Lee Curtis? Yeah, yeah sure. Exactly. Yeah, sure. Well, I mean, uh, you know, that, that's why nothing like that will ever happen again. Yeah. But at the time, it's a unique little, like, well, weird one-off, you know? Speaking of Carpenter, uh, so that he's gonna direct, uh, Dark the Child. Dark Child movie. The, now I don't even know that, I mean, I know, like, the, that book from the covers. I remember I've read seeing. that comic, that's a pretty good comic. Is it good? I've, I've never seen Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's like, it's 90s comic, but so it's, it's very, uh, I don't, I don't wanna say surface, but it's not like a super, it's just a deep, fun. It's not a deep, yeah, it's, it's a, a fun comic, and when you were 15 years old, it'd be the greatest comic ever. Right, made. right. Um, Art is nice. Randy Queen's a very good artist. Uh, sometimes, so, I mean, sometimes, you know, sometimes those types of comics make for better film or TV. You know, that was sure. one of the things we were talking. You I know, mean, it's kinda, Weta's involved with it, so you yeah. know. Yeah, like, they're doing the special effects. I saw that. Did you see the, the test, the yeah, test yeah. art for or test uh, reel for it? Yeah. So what's the what's the premise of it? It's a it's a. I mean, it's just this girl named Ariel who kind of finds out that she's sort of this you know demon 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 princess kind of thing. And, okay. Uh, there's lots of demons and girls with scantily. Scaling kind of girls with short shorts and small boobies, but, you know. but it's it's I, it was a fun book. I, I was you know, it was a good '90s right, book. Right. I mean, I think it would have a tough time. It's visceral. It's uh, yeah. It was very. You know, that's cool. I mean, uh, sometimes I miss those kind of books, you know. But uh, I, I think it, it'll make a good film, and you know, I mean, Car- it had to. There's something to it that Carpenter must have seen in it too. So, I mean, he not all his movies are great, but. What was All the last of his time? movies are ambitious. What was the last time? Maybe I was talking about this just when, when that news came out. And the last time I remember seeing a movie of his was Vampires, Ching. Right. You know, I mean, that was, but has he made any since then? Has he directed a movie in 10, 12 years? Yeah. I yeah, thought no, he did something. Some I mean, you know, the last thing of his that I really liked was his Masters of Horror thing. Uh, I didn't watch any of those episodes. Which is, yeah. is really good. Um, but yeah, I can't, I'm sure he has. I, like I usually that. try to pay attention to this and I don't know why I'm, why I'm blanking on it. I really liked Vampires. Yeah, that's a girl on a date when I was, I think I was still in high Did he do Ghost of Mars after that or before that? I can't remember. He did, I think it was, oh, after. I think it was, it was just after, after. I guess I didn't see that yeah. too on HBO. Yeah, that was pretty that bad. Movie was, but I mean, you know, it had an interesting premise, but it was, that was pretty That came bad. out yeah. at the same time. No, no there was John two Kirby. of them. There was another Mars movie with Kilmer, was like right? There was like, they all came out within like four months. But Ghost of Mars was like, totally, I think he just kind of got distracted in the, the sort of remake world. You know I mean? He did, uh, returned or escape from LA and then, and then he kind of just, it seemed like he's spent a whole lot of time doing, uh, remakes of his own films, The Fog and all that sort of stuff. He's producing those, so. Yeah. He doesn't really have to, you know. Take I mean, I want to see it. He's I, a funny yeah. dude. In the, yeah. in the, in the, when they were doing the Halloween 
uh, the making of Halloween, they they kept interviewing him, and they they would they would go to him after they would like show an interview with one of the actresses talking about like oh this is what happened in this scene, and he's just like. Yeah, that was just bullshit. I don't know. <laughs> well, he's, he's, he's a real straightforward, you know, just he's like. known to be pretty jaded, actually, like, uh, cause I was, you know, a couple of my buddies in LA, like, they do this, like, horror movie club thing, and, uh, you know, they'll have, they'll hang out or whatever and see John Carpenter, and, and apparently he's, like, pretty jaded by the system, Hollywood system, but sure, he's a right. cool guy, you know, yeah, like, yeah. like, if you're just a fan, he loves you, you know, but, like, he kind of thinks of the studio stuff as bullshit and all this other stuff, so. Yeah, that kind of is funny. That seems totally in character. <laughs> there was man. one, uh, uh, at one point they're interviewing a critic or something, or a historian or some crap, I don't know what it was, but, and he's saying, well, you know, everybody talks about Halloween being this perfect movie, but there's all sorts of mistakes in it. And then he started to point out like all these mistakes, like there's a, a scene where there's like a guy, a crew is like, crew members like looking over a bunch of bushes. Mm-hmm. And then there's another one where like, uh, where, I can't remember the girl's name, but it's Laurie and her friend, and they're walking, and yeah. she sees Jason in the in the in the bush. Michael. In yeah. the bush. Michael. Then, Michael. Yeah. yeah and, <laughs> well, and then you see like smoke from John Carpenter's cigarette, like go through the. the you could see but it go like through the all frame. Movies from nineteen fifty five. So then they go to Carpenter, and he's like. Shit happens. I had I had twenty one days to make a film. Yeah. It wasn't like a five thousand dollar budget. Somebody sent me something the other day too that was really interesting was a a link. I don't remember where it was from. I otherwise I would tell you people where to do it. But it was all it was a place where you could download all the scores that he wrote for all those movies. Oh yeah. And that's like one of the most effective parts about all his movies. It's weird too because I've been checking out a lot of at some point I'm doing a hack slash story that's based on like the Italian Giallo films and so I've been watching a couple of those, the Dario Argento and all those kind of things. And you realize where Carpenter comes from musically because the band Goblin, which was, uh, Argento and, uh, Claudio Simonetti, they did these bands where they, they, and all those come from these old Giallo films. They really? all sound like that. Yeah. It's really weird. And you can kind of see, and then Carpenter and, you know, Romero became friends with those dudes and there's lots of collaborations. So it's weird. You can like see a little history of, of, uh, horror soundtracks right off that. And you can well, see where, I mean, you know, he's he's totally influenced by that stuff. You know, and he just Flip said, it over. He, you know, he did this. He did the score because it, he was fast and cheap. You know, yeah. it's like he, he could get it done, and he was cheap, and he yeah. knew what he kind of wanted. But All he did yeah, it was amazing with that score for one, that movie. one finger uh, and one key. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like that's all you got to do. So. Right, right there with the jaws. And Jay, yeah, let me rewind Jay, it for a second. Mm-hmm. I was going to take it back because there's one thing I wanted to ask you guys about Walking Dead that somebody brought up to oh, me, yeah. and I didn't catch it at first, but. You know, somebody said that they, you know, they didn't see this from reading the books and knowing the books, but if you had watched it with somebody else who would never know anything about it, that there are elements of the pilot that could come off a little sexist because it's, it's really weird how the first scene in the, in the book is, it, or the first scene in the show is, it's him shooting a little girl, then it's a scene about two guys bitching about their wives, then the other two, uh, major zombies that get killed in the thing are both women. And they, they said like, you know, like if you were reading it, the wrong uh, way. I mean, it could, it, well, you that's know. the weird thing about. It. I, and I, I've, I, and I've got a point about that, but go ahead. Well, I mean, I've even noticed this. I've, I'm working on the Ant Man Wasp book, and I'm just finishing it up. We were just talking about this today at the studio. Uh, so the bad guy is two, and this is completely unintentional. But it actually, if you want to interpret it, it could be uh, both bad guys in the book are are women, right? And both heroes are good guys, are, are guys. And both of those characters, Hank Pym and Eric Grady, have shown to have issues with women in the past <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> so. If you wanted to interpret it, it could really look like I'm fucking trying to make a statement about it. I'm not. I yeah. didn't even, I, I, I had to, I picked the bad guy originally was Modoc, and they said, oh, we're using him. You gotta pick someone else. And the other, the AIM Supreme Scientist was a woman. So, so in the book, literally in one issue, we punch Monica Rappuccini, the, the female head of AIM, in the face 
Three times. <laughs> uh, so if you wanted to, it could look like I did this sort of weird thing. Well, Tim, we know that you hate women. Yeah, 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 yeah I right. hate them, yeah. Totally. Well, that's the, I think in The Walking Dead, yeah. it's, just, it's just like unfortunate that, the, you sure. know, like the way it got cut together. And I know that that, that scene in the beginning with Rick and What's-His-Face talking, it's to set up the fact that he gets with yes, his wife later exactly, on. Exactly. But it's, it's, it's yeah. just one of those things where it's like, you know, under other circumstances, you could, you know, like sure. a reviewer in the New York Times would go all over it. Well, I, I think yeah. it, I think it is a case of if you read the source material, it takes so long for the reveal that Shane and Lori are are sleeping with each other. You yeah. can't call it an affair because they thought that Rick was dead. And well, well she's all trying stuff. to survive. She needs to be yeah. protect her. It yeah. says a lot about like the situation that you're in, right? So, so you have you have issues and issues that set that up, and it's a different pacing in comics. Where in this, I mean, for for a dramatic TV show, you need to get that that water boiling pretty quick. So yeah. they they really needed to set up that a Shane was kind of a horn dog, and b that Rick and Lori and that have, he kind of liked Lori, obviously. Yeah. Right off the bat, they showed him the thing. He said, sure. "Mister Lori." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that and that Rick and Lori were having uh, were having issues. But you know, it was brought up to me. Um, did you guys, you know, maybe going back and watching that? Do you think that there was something going on with Lori and Shane before? The before the zombie apocalypse. Well, you have the one conversation that he has with Shane, but it didn't seem. I mean, it, it didn't really seem uh, that way. Personally, that conversation for me was the weak part of the episode. Like that was the part where they had they they shifted right from that scene. It was a little long, and, and it I was kind of like pointless. Uh, you're losing me a bit. Well, yeah, yeah. Uh, but you know, I mean, in that case, I think they're setting. They're they were very concerned about setting up the sort of human element of that show and Shane and Rick are best friends. Right. The comic doesn't yeah, spend yeah. a lot of time on that stuff. It's it's a guy wakes up in zombie apocalypse, bum bum bum. But in the show obviously they're concerned about that. Uh the Shane character kind of looks like uh, Chris Burnham so he creeped me out a little bit. But uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, I mean t- it, there's things that I think they obviously did for dramatic effect for a TV show that yeah, actually, I can see where people are like, "Oh, it's totally sexist and whatever." But that—that's if you're trying to look for something. Because I yeah. know, yeah. I know Kirkman uh, worships the ground his wife walks on, so he's—he never intended that, and I'm sure nobody else did. But sometimes shit looks like that. You, you know? see, like, yeah. you know, people see Jesus in like flat potato chips. Yeah, yeah, yeah so yeah, it's, exactly. you can see what you want to see sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was—I'm sure it wasn't intentional. If you know. It's just a series of unfortunate events. Yeah, so I, think to, it is. I think it just is, is, it's just one of those things where because of the other problems but, they had to fix in the show, sure. somebody could But I mean, what in. happens when Michonne comes around? Michonne is like the baddest bad ass, ass right, chick right. ever and is like, I mean, how you know, it's exactly well, but like... You, but you'd have the same people that would look at that and go, well, she's only, you only consider her a strong female character because she acts like a man. That's the other argument. You know what I mean? That, she that's does the other, it, really. I mean, she, uh, well, I mean, I don't, I don't even, yeah, again, you're you right. You know what that's, I mean? It's just, people it's, throw that shit out. But she, Kara, you know, I mean, you can see it in anything. Like you can see oh, it yeah. in Yeah, right. You know. But I mean, her situation is interesting too because she's a character who wasn't sort of like this warrior before that. And she could, so I mean, I, I, I would think a lot of people would be able to take, <laughs> do, you it's think, a pretty, do you think whenever they get to that point that they'll actually have her, her ex and what her ex Brother-in-law on a chain, muzzled. <laughs> I hope so. Well, that was I one of the know. best introductions ever. I don't know. It'll be in. Yeah. Do they? Will they even? Well, it's two yeah. seasons, right? Will they even get to that point in two seasons? Yeah, it's gonna yeah, be really weird so. to see how the pacing rolls out. Over, yeah. I think by the end of the six episodes, I think everybody's gonna have a better idea of what the the show is gonna yeah. be as opposed to the book. Right Spo- now, it's hard spoilers: to Are they gonna kill Shane at the end of season one? We'll be back after a quick break. 
Do you ever wish you could sit in on a conversation with some of your favorite authors and listen to them talk about their writing process, their path to publication, and of course, their newest novels? Hi, I'm Marissa Meyer, best-selling author of The Lunar Chronicles, and I would love for you to check out the Happy Writer podcast, where every week I talk with other writers about books, craft, inspiration, and how to bring a little more joy into our lives. The Happy Writer is available wherever you get your podcasts or find us on Instagram at Happy Writer Podcast. That's the one thing that I think yeah. you come up... Well, I think that's I think one so. thing you come up against with uh, with a TV show versus a comic. is like Shane in the book is obviously um, an important character, but you get over Shane's story pretty quickly. And, End of the first track. And I think in this, you know, you've got an actor, you sign him up, you fucking, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. Right. And, so and, so the, this was going to have to... If, if there's a, a breakout character, and we won't get into the characters that die in, say, the first 25 issues or so, but if there's a breakout character from the TV show that we know is on their way to, to getting... To get Rick. killed, <laughs> yeah, Rick. <laughs> well, they, but, they all die. I mean, it's eventually, yeah. Yeah. but you know, it, are, will we see a, a deviation and and them keep a character around just because well, I think they're they'll very make popular. changes? I think they're yeah. they're definitely going to make changes because I think if they stick too closely to the book, mm-hmm. you you may lose your core audience of people that really you know are well though. I don't know what their core audience is, but I'm assuming it's you know the comic book fans that have well, not really. Eight million people watch no, it, so I, yeah, it's. I, not I, the I think, kind of, I, think yeah. I think it's I think it's fans of AMC. I think it's Horror, it's zombie fans. Zombie. I think but I think they're going to be driving a lot of people. I think a lot of people that are going to watch the show over the long term are going to go and find the book. Oh, I mean, if image image oh, is set yeah. it up. This could be our Batman 1989. I mean, this could be you know that that was the first. I'm going to be interested to see. I mean, they had heavy promotion. It was Halloween weekend. Yeah, it was it's brilliant. It's it going to be interested to see what the next episode and then you know yeah. the next three or four episodes, what the ratings are on those. But I mean, with not AMC to say there wasn't good and it was, but I mean, it blew away Mad Men and every other AMC show. Eight point one million people so is what five something what, for the first episode. What, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, what? Why? Is, is it zombies? Everybody, I guess. You know, they're, they're, I mean, are, it's the zeitgeist, and I mean, I, I think a lot of it. You know, uh, zombies kind of always uh, are relevant in times of like you know. Um, depression. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, recession, depression, extreme sort of social uh, um, unrest. Yeah, unrest, or or, or 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 times when you feel like you have to conform. They become popular in those times. Right. Uh, you know, that's why they were popular in the '60s, and 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 now. I mean, it's it's in the zeitgeist. And I'm personally zombies sick of the zombies. New Black. Yeah, and I mean, I've been sick of zombies. You know, I I, I watch zombie movies every other day when I was life. a kid, <laughs> and and when I was a teenager, and I was 19 years old, is like you know fucking. 13, 14 years ago. Uh, but, you know, I'm still interested in new stuff. But, I mean, I'm sick of it. But the the, the public hasn't gotten sick of it yet. Right. No, yeah. I yeah. think it's just going to start to peak with this. Yeah. yeah. Well, I was going to ask you, Kyle. Um, you work uh, for Comic Book Resources. Mm-hmm. I, I can only imagine that it's like, okay, guys, it's Walking Dead month or Walking Dead week at least. I mean, was that it, was it kind of a scramble to say, okay, these are the Walking Dead stories that we're going to be rolling out and you're on this and you're on this and you're on this? I mean, was, was it... It's really how, hard. How, how big of a deal was it for you guys at, at CBR? It's really weird because, you know, when a, when a show like this comes, you know, you 
you start, it's announced, and it's like, okay, we are scrambling to get anything when it's early. Can we get Kirkman on the phone? Can we get Darabont? Oh, there's no way we're going to get Darabont. Oh, oh, Kirkman picked up his cell phone because he didn't recognize Josh's number. Oh, great, we got an interview in the can. You know, I mean, it, it, it starts like that. And then once you get to the point where the show actually debuts, AMC is calling you up and saying, hey, we've got, you know, the person that plays zombie number 12. Can you do an eight-page interview with them? Please and thank you. You know, so it's a weird thing where... You know, in terms of how we serve the audience and how we kind of make a mark on, on what's going on, we want to be first, we want to be early. But when it comes down to, to that, it's, now it's walking that time, now the show is about to debut, it, it's almost an abundance of material. You know, we, were, we got calls with most of the, the, the producers and the cast on the phone. We got, uh, we went to New York Comic Con and we were in on kind of roundtable interviews that went on with the press. We got multiple, I, I think we ran um, an, a review of the pilot episode on the main page and we have a new blog that's been around for a few months called Spinoff, which is kind of our TV media blog. We had a separate review that ran on Spinoff and we're going to run a review of the second episode as well. So it, it's a weird balance, you know? I mean, usually by the time these things hit, um, a site like ours is hopefully we've already put ourselves in the loop where that's it's not a scramble to be like well what can we get you know hopefully we've been covering it long enough that that when all this stuff kind of comes down the pike you know the, the the people who make the show are primed to know that we want to talk about it that our audience is interested in it and then that stuff kind of works itself out so the hardest part of covering anything like this is usually you know four to eight months before anything debuts sure yeah. sure yeah, but it's kind of like Super Bowl week in a way. And not like, you know, I'm sure San Diego Comic-Con is really Super Bowl week. So this is yeah, like the playoffs. Yeah. All right. <laughs> All right, Mr. Hype Machine. Hey, hey, hey. But, you know, you know but, but being happy for people, you know, I couldn't be more thrilled for, for Kirkman and Tony Moore and Charlie yeah. Adwards. I mean, those guys have been making a great comic book for a long time. And, and I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm tickled pink for them. It's one of the funny, interesting things that when I was in San Diego, I went to the panel that was uh, Brian Lee O'Malley's panel mm -hmm. with... With, um, the screenwriter from the Scott Pilgrim movie and the last thing he said in the whole panel uh, that was very interesting to me was buy a ticket please <laughs> <laughs> we're going to bomb I can smell it <laughs> no but he said that you know that like people kind of ask you know like well how did you get this movie made well how did you turn your comic into a movie and it wasn't his goal to make a comic into a movie he made a comic and the movie was uh, sold to the studio Edgar Wright signed up like after volume 2 came out and then he kept making the comic for another five years. You know, yeah. He made four other volumes. And that's one of the things where I think all these assholes who come out and they just want to make, I just want to sell my movie script and I can't do it, I'm going to make a comic. They're like, well, I'll make it one graphic novel and I'll put it out there, maybe it'll sell. But you sell. can smell that. I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah, you can smell that. But I mean, but the reason why people like Kirkman and, and, these, and his guys are successful, the reason that O'Malley was successful in getting their stuff made was that it's nice that they got a movie deal, but they're comic people Making first comics. and they made sure. this stuff over years, yeah. But I mean, that's and this will always be my greatest lament is uh, why do we go so fucking crazy? Because they translated something from our medium into somebody else's. I mean, you know it, what? It's, well, it's funny that you, yeah, me, that you of all people say that because because I don't think a because, movie's that because, big because your your comic I'm talking about Hackslash, of course, is about you translating that into sure. comics. Well, translating, yeah. Well, I, I mean, mean th th that's what sure, it is. Sure. That's, I mean, uh, and, but, and I mean, you do it very, very well. But I mean, it's it's taking uh, an, a genre, which I guess technically could be anything, not a medium. It's not a medium, right? It's not a film, right? I mean, yeah. it's a genre. Yeah, yeah it's a genre. Yeah. So, but yeah. in any Slasher case, films, yeah. well, sure. But I mean, it always bums me out that it's like we 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 judge things success in comics by if they make it to another medium. Like that's like a weird, sad like you know that like you're gonna graduate from high school and then go into something better. 
Like, were we fucking? Well, it's it are go, we, it, we it, preschool. It, it, like, it goes. It goes back to the the common, you know, uh, comic book insecurity, comic book fan insecurity. Oh, they're accepting us. Yeah. Oh, they're. It's okay now. I call bullshit. No, well, we I'm just telling you what it is. It. I, Fuck you. I want to see your shit movie. Make make it into a comic book. Well, but that's Good not luck. reality that's, because fuck it, I don't care. I think that, <laughs> I think we need to turn the parallel. Well, and, you know, I, I think that you can make just about anything into a fairly decent comic. I think it's really hard to take any comic and make it into something else. I think it's hard to make anything a good film. I mean, well, yeah, <laughs> but but that's back to John Carpenter and the and the and the, the, the studio machine. I agree, so. but. I mean, it's just weird that we consider something which is pure imagination, pure one person, two people, maybe fucking five, creative, pure energy creation, and we call that less than some hundred people trying to make something and have to go through a studio, and we call that better. It's just, I, it just pisses me off. Yeah, it's just audience and coin, man. It's, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's the amount of yeah, money spent and the amount of people watching. Well, you know, you know, I, I think it really, it really is about um, focus of vision. Whenever you're talking about you know, a comic, you're talking about one, two, maybe three <clears> people. <throat> Um, that are that are really focused on one thing. Whenever you're talking about uh, a, a major motion picture, you're talking about hundreds of yeah. people and millions of dollars. Yeah, and the I, people I think, that have the to vi- like. Yeah, and the vision gets still provide the sandwiches. Are, I think there are yeah. a few examples on of, the film. Yeah. of comics that make it in terms of their own. Com- like I think when a comic comes through and sells a shitload of copies and does well on its own, people celebrate that. But it seems like most times, you know, the, the, the tail wags a dog or whatever in that, oh, 300 made it as a big movie, then Dark Horse sells a whole bunch of 300 product. Scott Pilgrim, you know, bombs as a movie more or less, but it's been the top of the sales rankings on Amazon and everything else yeah, for months and sure. months and months, you know. But, I mean, you get something like that, uh, you know, I don't know. If you Diary, guys, of Diary of a Wimpy Kid. Diary of a Wimpy Kid or whatever was a phenomenon publishing-wise, millions and millions of copies. And they made a movie, and everybody was like, oh, that's nice, they're making a movie too. But the, the story there was that the comic hit first, you know. That's a good point. Um, you know, one, one of the things that that I was uh, thinking I about is a beer. Though. Oh, you want a beer? Oh, fuck, I'm <laughs> giving you one of mine. Here you go. You want a, a, a chicory stout? I need a church key for this one. Oh, here I got my pocket pocket key. Um, Sal and I worked together, and so you know, of course, we were talking about Walking Dead after we had seen it, mm-hmm. and and one of the things that that he is so good at, I if you me, it, yeah, you're complimenting if, me, yeah, Aww. I am. You were probably just tweeting. Chris made his first hyperbolic statement at <laughs> xxx. <laughs> no, I wasn't tweeting. Uh, it was not. <laughs> but uh, I, I, I have I have a tendency of being you know go on speaking no no go back to complimenting Com- but Sal, Sal is so good at compartmentalizing and judging things on what they are it's um, isn't that good that's really good yeah Th- that is a dogfish head chicory stout yeah that's tasty can I take yeah. a sippy yeah yeah go ahead I ain't got you know, how, how about you get one of his his fresh ones over there that's really good um, Sal is very very good at compartmentalizing and judging things on their own <laughs> merits and I think that that nice. we that we as comic book fans have a tendency of whether it's uh, a movie, a TV show, whatever, of judging it against the source material. So um, I was, you made me as go you back, should. yeah, and you you made me well, you made me go back and rewatch Walking Dead and watch it as a TV show and nothing else. And and I think that was really healthy for me to do. Um, yeah, well, that's what I tried to do sitting down watching it is yeah. because it's like, well, I've read this book, I know what's going to happen, but I want to judge it just as purely a TV show. I don't. You know, we've talked on the on on this show hundreds of times in the past about you know the fact that no matter what the show is, no matter no matter what a movie is made of of you know any comic book that we love or whatever, 
the original source material is still there. It's never going to change. It is what it is. So no matter what The Walking Dead was going to be... Darabont hasn't snuck into your house and rewritten yeah. the first trade For of me, Walking I'm Dead. hoping it's, it improves on it. It expands it. It, mm-hmm. it makes it that much better. I love the comic. I, I hope the, the show makes it that much more of a cool experience for me to enjoy that world, you know? And it, so I purely just looked at it, you know, tried to. It was hard sometimes because of the prior knowledge, but... Yeah, I mean, it's just, I think it's just, you can't, you can't base something, whether it's good or bad, on whether or not it meets your approval. Sure. Of you, uh, and yeah, your expectations I mean, on what you had because well, you loved or hated. And I never, like, that's always what's bugged me, bummed me out. It's like, you know, you see the Watchmen movie, which I enjoyed on its own, I, right, I, by I, itself. I, I, I liked it. But as, as a film, uh, it's actually kind of weak because it sticks too close to the comic, honestly. Yeah, it's, it's clunky. And there's things it's, that, yeah, I mean, it's clunky and there's some dialogue that works yeah. great in comic books and works like shit in a film. Round. And, and <laughs> Inter- like, Sin City. Yeah, Sin yeah, City, yeah. a couple other things. Whereas, like, I, I <laughs> which is a great case of Sin City emulating like noir film, and, and then, then when it gets translated to comic, and then translated back, back to film, film it's yeah, like, uh-oh. It's just, yeah. but I mean, I, you know, all those things I enjoyed on one level or another, but um, I think you have to consider the medium of the whatever you make, whatever whatever the case may be. What's the medium? And there are certainly things that I've watched in a film that I loved that make a shitty comic. Jackass uh, would make a shitty. Comic. <laughs> <laughs> Why didn't make? Why would that make a shitty comic? Because it's about people doing things in reality, right? Yeah, that mm-hmm. doesn't work. Uh, but I think literally there are people in Hollywood who wouldn't understand that. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Like sure. you could literally say like, oh, you know what? They'd be like, I think a jackass know. comic would sell like crazy. Right. And you'd be like, no, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> yeah, be, These things awful. are not the same. <laughs> it would be terrible. Right? It would sell Because film though. is one medium. Uh-huh. And comic books are another. You know what my most hated, hated, fucking hated word ever that I hear when I go to conventions these days is transmedia. Oh, we're going to have this property. It's transmedia. It can yeah. be a video game. It can be an action figure. Yeah, it can be fuck a you. That's what I say. <laughs> fuck you. Awesome. That means it's not good at any <laughs> of yeah, them. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, it's that. I, I Again, I, I, I'm with you on there. It drives me crazy. I mean, I think you have to, um, you create, when you create something, you consider the medium that you create it in. And everything about it is the soul of that property. If that soul could transfer over to something else, you hope you get the right people to transfer it over. Yeah. Uh, but what well, it remains but, I mean, is the original thing. You know. I mean, that, that's the whole key, though, is the right people doing it. Because right, which almost no matter, never happens. I mean, yeah. no matter what, it's all about storytelling. It's all about yeah. writing a story, telling a story. And you can do it in any medium. You can take any source material and turn it into a good sure. story. It's just someone has to do it. Someone has to do it well. And, and understand and, the medium that they're transferring something over to. Yeah. That's probably the most important thing that you see. Well, the film is so different because, I mean, rarely is a screenwriter going to write. They're writing for film, but they're, what's, on the, uh, what's in a script and what ends up on a screen Obviously is different, so yeah. different. Yeah, yeah, right. You know what I mean? Generally, in, unless it's, you know, some Because, I mean, it's kind of back to that, you know, you, know, but, you know, singular vision kind yeah. of thing. And that, that well, gets which confused. film does not have. I mean, yeah. you know, it's like. But, you know, I've seen. Uh, I've had this 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 weird thing with the hack slash movie, which is where I've seen literally seven or eight scripts of this of this thing, and they just keep missing something, and I don't know why they keep asking me like, "Well, what does it need? Why is it?" I don't know. Why are you making shit up that isn't in the comic that you feel like <laughs> maybe go to the comic? I don't yeah, know. Like, yeah. but but they feel like well, they have to sort of filmize it, but not understand the soul of the thing, like. If you film, if you change something from one media to another, understand what it is. That's all that matters, right? Mm-hmm. And it just drives me crazy. And fortunately, and Kirkman is so 
fucking lucky and also so skilled in that Walking Dead understood that it's the story about people, yeah. humans living yeah. in a world of the dead. That's what it's about. That's the soul of the project. They understood that. Uh, I would hope that if, like, you know, if they made an audiobook of that property, they would understand that. If they made a, car- a cereal, um, a, you know, breakfast cereal out of Walking Dead, they would understand that's the soul of the project. <laughs> whatever you change, it is like, you, you, like. you must survive your breakfast. But I mean, whatever it is, you understand the soul of what it is. Well, right? I mean, that, well, that, I, that's a big thing is is survival fiction. I mean, that that's a that's a genre of its own right sure. now. You look at you know, and it goes you know, for me, you know, The Stand was survival fiction, and and Survivors is is not Survivor, but Survivors is is survival fiction. Lord of the Flies. Yeah, I mean that's 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 what that is all about. It's the most that, basic human fear. I mean, the, like without this structure yeah. of society, what would happen to us? The the colony, the the reality show on on Discovery, which you know is one of the very few reality shows. I mean, it's all about survival, and that's and that's what they're tapping into with Walking right. Dead. It could be you know giant killer frogs well, out there, and the, but you know it doesn't matter. It's, it's I don't zombies. know in the comic, I don't remember or not, but in the show, at least the first episode, the they thing, never say the, the word. They never yeah they never ever. mention the word yeah. zombie, which in one sense is is kind of neat, but in the other other it took me out of the the show because i'm like what world do you people live in well, that you wouldn't they, just go they, fucking zombies they, they live you know in, what I mean? they live in a world where there has never there, been a never zombie been. movie but made. that's right. unrealistic yeah, that's, yeah. because yeah. they set that world in our reality well i mean but the thing is, is okay you know well, I mean? I, everything else is our reality it's an alternate you but know i mean I guess. With Hack Slash, we set it in a world we we had to which is we set it in a world where all those movies are real and you, they've never made a slasher movie so, and Cassie lives in the world where there is a Haddonfield, Illinois, right. where Michael Myers stalked. I mean, I don't say Jace, that. Jason. Is right. Is Jason real, and, yeah. Chris, and Camp Crystal Lake was there. You said it in the world of those things, but in that world, they've, they don't reference like, oh, I saw that movie Friday the 13th, right? Because otherwise you got yeah. Scream or something like that, where it's, yeah. it's, it's fun. Scream is a fun movie, but I like those, yeah, I like super, that super self-referential, and but, that's, zombie, it turns into Zombieland. Zombieland. But with Zombieland. Zombieland. But with Zombieland. Yeah. Well, Zombieland, yeah. But with Zombies, to me, it's such, a, it's such a hard thing to get away from the idea of... Because I'm not just talking about you know, George Romero, Day of the Dead... Zombies go way back before that they in do. culture, in multiple cultures, well, and you know what I mean. That's do, really, it's like they really. I mean, really, zombies come from voodoo culture, and and Romero was the first person to do this sort of epidemic zombie thing. Right? Really, they only that come word. from voodoo culture, yeah. and it, that was like drug people who woke up in a, a coffin and they were alive, but they were whatever. That's the reality of the thing. But Romero, right, well, I, mean, I bought it, but it was it was a hard sell for me because it was just sure. like, okay, nobody's seen a zombie movie in this world. Right, right, right. You're no, not. You know, I guess it just is a little hard. And for that, me to, that's what they're not. They're yeah. not zombies. They're the Walking Dead. The that's walking and that's dead. one of the things that worked about I, this weekend. Also, I don't know if somebody at Comedy Central is just a programming genius or if it was just because it was Halloween. <laughs> they reshowed Shaun of the Dead on uh, like hours before they I watched did. The Walking of Dead. Of and uh, and you know that's the thing they keep saying to Shaun of the Dead, right? Don't use the Z word. You know, don't don't do it. You know, and that's one way of dealing with that. But like those. Films are commentaries upon film, which Walking Dead is not. Yeah. Like, I mean, and and you know, like, I mean, I do a comic which is essentially a commentary on film. Well, sort of. It's not a commentary on film. It's set in the world of things we've seen, right? Mm-hmm. So there's a difference. I mean, Walking Dead is a, is a is a story set in basically George Romero's world. But would it? It's just a different anything? take. You know, what's that? Would it have changed anything in that in that in the Walking Dead I think story? It would have. I think what would it... I think the fear is gone because if you know the rules, right? Like, okay, if you're like, oh, shit, I saw this in a movie. You shoot him in the head, they die. Yeah. Look, Kirkman used the rules of Romero Yeah, films. but but, but here's, here's my point is that it only took, you know, it only took him to the point where he met, uh, what's his name, uh, and his son. The Dwayne, black dude. Yeah, Dwayne yeah, and, Dwayne um, and uh, um, the other guy. 
that, then yeah. the exposition of he basically laid out the rules right there right. for him. So what's the difference? It's either you you already know them. The but only person we, that didn't we, seem to we, know him is Rick. I think because he wakes up out sure. of a hospital yeah, yeah, bed. But, but how much? Everyone but, else already but, knows because they've been living in that. But world how much for, did that for, add to the tension of that? You're like Dude, into that character. Zombies. I don't know. For me, it didn't. Yeah. I think that's the thing that worked about about the the show as a show is that it's it's 24 pages or whatever of a comic on film. It was an hour and a half where, you know, somebody told me, like, well, I watched it and I liked it, but I thought it moved a little slow. But that's the idea. Like, you watch him absorb all of that, you know? Right, it's right, those right. long tracking shots it's in the It's what you now. wouldn't get out of a movie because yeah. a movie would be over an hour and a half and they'd have to resolve They'd it have to have plot happen, right, and you yeah, don't. Yeah. You just get to watch it all unfold. It's a, it's yeah. a world. Well, yeah. you know, that was, that was a, a programming thing that I was um, a little worried about because I think that would be the one, the one criticism that people would have about The Walking Dead, the, the, first, the first episode is that it was a little slow and it was very deliberate and they built the tension. I loved that. I loved how deliberate it was. Right. But leading up to the premiere, they showed fucking Dawn of the Dead, which is, you know, fast <laughs> zombies running around, you know, machine gun fire, the whole thing. And if you would watch that leading into The Walking Dead, that could, you know, I can see a bit of But like, I mean, okay, I give a little more credit, I mean, though. I mean, it's authentic yeah. zombies. Uh, the Romero rules, the things that were successful slow for zombies. years before. It's a slow zombie world. And why yeah. why does that work? It's the inevitability of your demise. Like, it's mm -hmm. a, sur a survival thing wouldn't work in a fast zombie world. Because basically, like, you'd be dead. If everybody can run and chase you and fuck you up, you're done. The slow zombie thing, the why it works is, and this is going back to the, the, the Matheson, uh, I am, you know, I'm legend thing, is it's the, the eventual and slow fact that you're going to be absorbed into this, you know... We are You're all going to die, everybody. Conformity. If you're listening to this yeah. right now, you will someday be dead. Right, and it's, <laughs> and it's all about the conformity, and, you know, it's, it's, it's the guy standing out in the yard and saying, Neville, you're going to join us. That's why it works. That's the thing. That's what it is. The, the Fast Zombie movies were made because movies are for people with short attention spans who go out on a night and have dinner and then go on a date and then hopefully go home and get some action. That's what movies were made for. <laughs> but the reality See, of this... Tim just gets to the heart of it. He well, just I don't know. I mean, like, 20, 28 days later, that, that's yeah, fast that, zombies, but that, it that is wasn't done as just a but that bang, was, that zoom was, action that, kind that of... That was a sure. smart movie, though. Well, that's what I'm saying. It wasn't. It doesn't have to be just... You can do smart things, but that, yeah. I, I'm not saying you can't do smart things with, with fast zombies. Yeah. But I'm well, saying And they that, weren't zombies. But they my point... I had no problem with the pace of The Walking Dead. To me, I just thought that they didn't utilize... They didn't use it as well as they could have, I thought... It wasn't written well enough to have that slow of a pace, to me. Okay. I think. There, I mean, I like this. We were talking about the with Shane and Rick earlier. That that the dialogue in that scene fell a little flat. It felt a little. See, I actually weird. liked it. I, I really. To me, it sounded like some southern dudes talking about some shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I understand that, but if you're going to have that scene, why not use it to accomplish something more than just setting up the fact that these guys are buddies? You know, you could do that really quickly and easily and, and people would get it. They didn't do it in a way... Like, that didn't... You could have done that entire thing as effectively in a third of the time, is all I'm saying. You could have done it in the chase scene to the... You I mean, know, you, well, they actually did yeah. do it. I mean, when, yeah. when, when Rick shot... You feel that actor, you know. You feel Shane's, uh, you know, fondness sure. for Shane for, for for Rick in that moment. So that's what I mean. But, I, but they I could have done something better with that. Is all I'm saying. Well, I think what but, what, what the attempt of all that stuff to set up yeah. was the the humanity and reality of life before survival, which yeah. is 
in the world before everything goes to shit, you're doing everything you can to survive. There's moments of like yeah, the fucking around I mean, levity. I can sure, eat some sure. fast food and sit around and bullshit. This is the world that you and I live in. Like, no matter what we say, it's a pretty much bullshit, easy existence. You know, it's yeah. like sometimes you got to worry about getting a job, but pretty much you can sit around and fart and fucking shit and just absorb uh, your life. And then suddenly, without those things, what is survival all about? Mm-hmm. I mean, it really did sort of work in that way. It's like, here's your sort of vapid existence, talking about nothing, your reality TV and your, your whatever. Right. And here is your switch to a, a world where... And the one moment yeah. that really did work for me in that scene between Rick and Shane was at the very end, when, when Rick comes to the point he's trying to make, was that I don't want my wife saying this about our relationship, whatever, in front of the kid, you know? Sure. Like, it seems it was like, it was like, you know, seven minutes, however long the conversation was, of bullshit oh, yeah. to one real moment. To one you know? real, yeah. And a real moment that is going to play out, obviously, in, the, in, the, in, in that story, which yeah. you and I, we all know, which is that Lori is going to take less of an important part in that story in about 50 issues. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. there, there was one other, one other part that bugged me, because throughout it, you kept hearing his son's name was Carl. Yeah, you know, and they set that up. You never saw Carl until the end, but he kept setting it up that Lori and Carl, Lori and Carl. And then when they finally revealed Lori and Carl, they they had this perfect opportunity when she's in the tent and the kid runs in and says something, and then he goes back out, and she could have just gone, Carl, blah blah blah, and she doesn't. They go back to Rick and he and he pulls the picture down and looks at him like, what the fuck is that? Why did they bother to do that? Yeah, you just you had this perfect opportunity Carl. for her yeah. to go yeah. Carl, but then, and everybody then, goes. Oh, I, that's Lori and Carl. I was really, I mean, and you guys said it earlier, you know, the idea that th- they need to set certain things up earlier because of, of how the TV show works. But we have lost that moment. In the comic, when he shows up and he finds them, and then he's like, oh, wait, you're fucking my wife now. When Rick learns it in the comic, you learn it as the audience. And we've lost that moment. And I understand yeah. that there's reasons to tell no, us no, that true. earlier. But but the way they told us earlier wasn't done as, as well as they could have done it. That's, and that's my whole point is I thought I really liked the show. I really thought it was. They did a great job with it. I'm gonna watch every fucking episode that comes out. Sure. Believe me. I just thought I was nitpicking it because it was done so well, and there was just moments where I thought it could have been done that much better. That's all. That's all. You know what I mean? Like it's not like but, I, I mean, certainly didn't dislike it. I you know, the thing just things yeah. I was just like, ooh. Well, the, the night before when I got home, I, I had to drive back from the Detroit Fan Fair, so I only got to caught like the last ten minutes of the show. And when I saw it out of context and watched the last ten minutes of this TV show, and I was like. It's not good. But, <laughs> right, right, right. It was that Wang Chung song, right? Right. It just seemed really confusing. And I didn't, you know, but whatever. So then I, then I, but whatever, I, you know, then I, then the two nights later, I sit down and watch it with my wife. And I really, obviously, everything before that really made it work. And I'm watching my mm-hmm. wife watch it yeah. and just seeing her. The build up. Yeah. And just it, the build up was there. And that's what I told Chris is that. 20 minutes in, I was sort right. of bored. Uh, yeah. 40 yeah. minutes in, I was like, like all about looking right. around my fucking, you know, exactly. looking around in the corners of my room for a zombie. And so I'm watching my wife watch it and just seeing her intense reaction to the story. And I, I mean, my wife watches a lot of TV. I haven't seen her react to something like that. I mean, she reacts to that when she watched like the Doctor Who final episode of the season. <laughs> with the, like she, she you know awesome. what I mean? Which was awesome. So the, to me, if that. If that first episode reached that level of her being that into it, you know, and 
when he's I mean, when he's going it, yeah. down the the dark staircase and lighting the matches to find oh, his brilliant. way out of brilliant. that that that's when I was like okay they 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 caught the tension yeah and they, the, I know that he's gonna get out but but the reality of that sort <laughs> of thing is another nitpicky part for me I'm like why don't you just light a fucking torch on fire dude yeah you're, you're surrounded by crap and you're lighting little matches and but I mean, he's who doesn't fucking know a match is gonna burn in like five seconds but there was a there was a cool thing about that because <laughs> you saw him he's completely fucked up. He's yeah. dehydrated, he's exhausted, his muscles are atrophied. Like, man, I, I've watched myself do some shit where I look at it later and be like, you would have been much better at that if you were fucking awake. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And this yeah. is a guy who's messed up and was so well portrayed. Like, he gets up. My favorite scene in that, in that episode is he's walking around, he doesn't know what's going on. He goes up to that door and it says, the don't hands, open, dead yeah. inside. And there's hands popping out. He has no idea what's going on. There's humans there, but he knows they're not good, right? right. And he doesn't know there's zombies and all that shit. And he's just so confused. He's like, okay, I know I'm not supposed to open that. That, that was creepy. Yeah. It was creepy. Oh, yeah. He wants to talk to someone, but he knows not to talk to these assholes. You know what I mean? Like, he doesn't know the situation, but... The, it's like, whatever's so behind effective. that door is not a good thing. Right. So. It was very and, and how and, and how about the British actors? That are sprinkled all over this thing. Well, British actors are sprinkled on everything on TV. Okay. By the way, if, if, if everything you watch is either British or Australian, except for Joel McHale. No, they're they're just there's a. Uh, I've actually tried to figure this out, and there's an exotic look to these people that it's exotic white people, which is <laughs> it really white. is it really is. Whenever you put people on an island for several thousand years, they become the exotic. exotic white is that what we're saying? Which exotic. is they don't look American, but they look. They look at we Americans American have a sort ish. of weird colonial thing where they mm-hmm. they sort of it, it really is that thing. I, why is house work for people? There though Hugh Laurie plays it's Sherlock American, Holmes. right? I mean, well, yeah, well that's that's true with his Watson and Wilson. But it, what 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 makes that character work is he's a certain amount of foreign that makes him universal, right? Okay, they become so like they, they become and there's got to be a reason why we we hire Australians and fucking British to play American. In every well, TV show, because uh, a lot of the, they're, they're square jawed and and they're very, they're the American ideal, even though they're not American. They, you know, they, they they've got elocution. Yes, yeah. Well, that's and and then there's that. They're not. They look like an American football player, but they can talk. Yeah, and, I mean, and <laughs> the thing is, like you know, you see that sort of thing though all over the world. Like if you watch some Japanese movies, like um, I watched this Godzilla film where they have. This American uh, actor, he's a big black guy, playing their TV reporter, right? And uh, are you good? No, I'm gonna go get some okay. out of here. That's but they, they, like, I was watching this, and they put this American actor who's a big black guy um, on TV on a Japanese film, playing their news reporter, and he's like, "There's something about him on film which instantly makes it interesting and compelling, right? Right? Because in Japan, everybody's." Sort of shorter and in a different color. Japanese. Japanese. <laughs> so you've got this big black guy in this Japanese movie going, Godzilla's taking the shore. He's not even a good actor, right? No. But it's like, Godzilla's attacking the, we need to destroy him. And it's like that, people respond to that in a right. film. And, and you know, uh, the, so you see that with, with these sort of the Brits and the, and the, uh, uh, the Australian actors. We love them. We just, we love them. As much as, as America is so xenophobic, uh, we love them on film. It's kind of weird. And that's one of the reasons, too, why and this is a I mean, change the topic for a second. But, you know, it's like I, if you guys have seen the photos from the Captain America movie that are going to that have been hitting uh, online. And um, I don't know what you're pointing to. 
<laughs> Quit confusing them. <laughs> you confuse me while I'm talking on the mic. No, but um, so like uh, one of the things that's really interesting is that um, they've changed uh, the, the, the makeup of how they're doing Captain America a little bit, it, it seems. I mean, I have no... I speak with no knowledge, but um, uh, the Red Skull is, is not a Nazi. He's not wearing a Nazi uniform with a red armband. He's a member of Hydra, which I'm, they may say at some point is some kind of specific scientific unit of the German army. But why would they do that? Why would they make it like Indiana Jones where he's going to punch a bunch of Nazis in the face? Oh, because they want to sell this movie in Europe, you know, yeah. and they can't make a movie well, that classic, sell in Germany. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if you heard about this, but when you see watch Iron Man on On Demand, I can't remember what station it is, they actually removed all references to Russia. <laughs> really? Um, and uh, yeah, and and they 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 removed all that sort of stuff because um, that you know that's like your international flight movie. I don't, if you watch it in America, whatever. But it, your international flight movie where they're going to play this you know PG thirteen right. on the international flight, they're going to remove all references to damn and hell and shit and Russia and God <laughs> and whatever and, and anything that could be offensive to any stupid overly sensitive. Fuckle anywhere. Yeah. And well, legally, I mean, you can't like you can't sell anything in Germany with the swastika on it or promote it. You know, I so, wouldn't I mean, think Germany would, you know, would be a big enough market to be. Give uh, a, shit. a lot of Germans. I don't know. There. I don't a lot know. of Germans. Where else I saw that? <laughs> uh, I can't. I mean, is a movie called Captain America. Is it really going to go over well in Europe anyway? It's called Captain America. Uh, <laughs> is it, I don't you know. know. Hey, I don't, you know, that, but people love Obama. Too. I mean, it, right it, now it's, it's time to sell yeah, that movie. It's a time of change and hope, Sal. Yeah. But I mean, it's a World War II movie, so if you're going to do World War II, where, it's going to be nice. You know, where, where else I saw this was um, the Avengers, the Mightiest uh, Avengers, the Earth's Mightiest Heroes cartoon. The cartoon, yeah. Came out on uh, on Disney XD or whatever they call it, and the Captain America. Uh, episode was a flashback to World War II and it had like World War II real footage and, and, and that kind of stuff. But but instead of instead of the swastika, it was the Hydra symbol. And it was talking about how Hydra was, you know, overtaking their I don't necessarily have a problem with that because I mean I think it's comic books. That's fine. Well, to, well no, I think also at this point it's like you know, we're all intelligent enough to realize that yet yeah, not every Nazi was Hitler. You know what I mean? A lot of German soldiers were just soldiers. They were just doing what they were they told. Were farmers, they didn't sure. want to get shot. You know what I mean? It's like, sure. Th- so it's like, do we just keep demonizing but Germans? But Hydra agents, assholes. Hydra agents, they join up because it's an evil organization. Yeah. That's all right. That's oh, and good, benef- good, good benefits, too. Sure. sure. But I can tell you this Dental weird thing vision. that when I, when I worked uh, at Devil's Due, we did uh, G.I. Joe Transformers. And uh, at the same time, uh, Dreamwave was doing uh, their version, which they sent in World War II. And Hasbro, which is owned by the Hasenfeld brothers, who are Jewish, um, had no interest whatsoever in setting anything that involved the Nazi symbol. So they told them they could never show Nazis, even though it was sent in World War II, so it became Cobra, whatever. Uh, I have a feeling that the Disney Marvel any, uh... thing cartoon, they don't want some parents to be clicking by on cartoons and go Ooh, click, swastika. Click, 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 swastika. What the fuck? The worst thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, That's what we... they don't want. That's, yeah. It's that one, that, that like jer- knee jerk reaction from some fucking nut job somewhere. In the Ozarks or whatever. In the Ozarks, yeah. whatever. I mean, well, those I mean, people aren't typically be... liberal. They probably are Nazis, but. Whatever the case may be, uh, <laughs> they're going to write up and be well, like, yeah, "There wasn't I, enough you know, Nazis funny, in I was, this thing." I was just listening to a podcast with uh, Mel Brooks. He was talking about the producers, mm-hmm. and uh, originally the title of the film was "Springtime for, no, spring spring for, spring for Hitler." And he, you know, he changed it because he had a lot of 
theater owners who were Jewish, and they're like, yeah, we're not going to fucking put springtime for Hitler on the marquee. We're not giving him what? Uh, any billing. You know, it's just... Not, they're, they're Do I look gonna, Italian So that's you? why he changed. So it's just a matter of like, yeah, you know what? I'm not... in Good or bad, it doesn't matter. Just it's better to maybe just like... I mean, I totally understand that. It's But... Like the joke I just made that probably didn't come up with a joke, which was they're not liberals, they're they're Nazis. The, the that probably came off like I was being crazy. Is that people? <laughs> but what I mean is that people respond to the first thing you see, right? They respond to that sort of like first. The, if you have like when I was in college, we did a uh, I, my my final project was the power of symbols. That was my my oh, my right. senior college project. And we had all these different symbols, like 30 of them, you know, stop sign, all these different things. One of them was uh, the, the symbol of the swastika. It was on a poster. It was posted throughout my college campus for our show. And, uh, you know, guess what? I had, to have, I had to have sit down and have a meeting with the Jewish Students League because I put a, a Nazi symbol on a poster that I distributed throughout a college campus. Now... Did I prove Way my point? Way to go, point? Tim. Yeah. Well, because anytime you see Did that Did I prove symbol, my people... point about the power symbols? Right. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. I had a similar was thing when I was in high school. Was I an insensitive asshole? Yeah, in a weird way, I came across as just now I'm, I'm, I'm pushing their symbol. I'm not. I'm talking about symbols as... Well, know, that's the thing. Anytime you think where uh, I was in high school and it was an art class and the, the, the assignment was, you know, do a portrait of somebody famous. Who, You know, the idea was how well can you recreate somebody whose look is iconic? And one guy did David Letterman and, and somebody did the president, whatever. And then somebody drew a picture of Hitler. You know, I mean, you know, that mustache and that mm-hmm. thin, thinning hair, whatever. It's iconic. You know, people know what they look like. And when this, everybody did their assignment and they put them up in the school library and then people went apeshit. Why is there a picture of Hitler in the library? Right. And they're not thinking of it in the same way. You know, it's yeah. and it's hard. Well, it's, it's, it's you hard know, on the on the symbol, it's one of my favorite George Carlin quotes. He's like, "I don't believe in symbols. I leave symbols to the symbol-minded." That's sure, one of my favorite my favorite. But quotes I mean, but but do I understand? Like when some a Jewish student was walking across campus and came across my poster for my show, which had like a heart and a fucking um, the circle with the slash through it, meaning this is no whatever, and then a Nazi symbol. Did they did they think what did they think my show was? I get it. I do. I don't know how to rectify how that works. Um, I don't know either. I mean, at some point, it's like, you know, are some things just left, you know, alone completely? Do you almost just sort of like, you know, not ignore, but like, do not acknowledge yeah. in, in any way because... But I don't think, I think you can't ignore what things have meant. I, I think you can't do that. Yeah. But if there's a way to like, get across to people that that's not what I meant. Well, I the mean, problem is, is anytime you show it, it's, 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 the immediate reaction is you're supporting it. Yeah, or in support. You know what yeah. I mean. That's sure. the problem. Is yeah. that uh, well? That's what symbols are for. Is to you show a symbol, and it's an immediate. Right. Uh, it's immediate understanding that I, I stand it. for this. this right. Even if well, you are using the symbol to sh- to. I mean, it doesn't matter what you yeah. use the symbol for. It's right. Like, yeah. They know that. Hey. They know what that symbol is supposed to mean. If I was yeah. walking around with a jacket that had an AT and T logo, people were going to think that I either work for or really sure. like AT and T. You know, I mean, that's part of this weird sort of human thing that you. I don't think you can avoid it. Uh, I wish well, we were why, sort of more. God, God, God that's why Superman's well, S and the flashes. You, you, Mister Fanboy Scout, or no? I'm sorry, yeah. it's it's not. It's, hey, it's, it's don't the, get me in trouble. The, the Fanboy the, Legion. Fanboy <laughs> Legion. It's it's a recognizable a recognizable mark that associates you sure. with with a, a, a sure. group. Well, yeah, but what, yeah, but it's not necessarily. I mean, like in 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 Tim's case, he wasn't promoting the Nazi Party. Yeah, he yeah. was. It was a project, but like you said, it's how do you how do you, how you, know? do you balance it? How do you know? It's like okay, is 
is it so offensive to just for that? You know, uh, my wife's gra- uh, great grandmother was you know uh, in an internment camp in Nazi Germany. You know, she, she was Jewish and she has the tattoo. And yeah, that's something. I, for her to even see that symbol, I'm sure would be a horrible, horrible experience. She's gone, gone now, but but is it the same for you know a kid that's never even? But I mean, you know, it's like it's so hard to choose read. things that are they're part of our collective consciousness. They're they're part of right. all of us uh, as far as we relate to things versus you actually experience this thing. Like, it's well, tough. I think. I mean, you can make you can do like Venture Brothers and have Girl Hitler. And no one's offended, right? Right. Uh, or, or the latest Taskmaster, which had a village full of Hitlers. Or no one, no one gets offended by that sort of thing. But if you throw that sort of um, symbols, they, they, they can be translated as even if you're criticizing, can be translated as support. Yeah, I think that's. Well, the tough I think that's out. the thing. Is, is, there's two things that run to mind. One is if nobody's ever read the Johnny Ryan story from Angry Youth Comics about Hitler. Uh, you know, where Hitler hires a PR guy to make him seem more hip to the youth or whatever. Is he the guy that did Prison Pit? Yeah. yeah. Okay. He's insane. Yeah. He's insane. Awesomely insane. Hitler it was a great issue in youth comics. But the, 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 the more point was made is that you can place that stuff within, within context. Of Vin, that's one of Vince B's favorite creators. I'll just <laughs> okay, let you know. Right. If you go no to an I've art show and at the front of the art show they say, hey, there is some imagery or some symbolism in this that can be construed as, it's like when you get an email that says not safe for work. You know going in there must be something there. But when you're trying to promote that show and you're, you're doing it without context with an sure. flyer. Context is everything. Context is everything. Yeah, and that's absolutely. like that great issue of um, Ex Machina that uh, Brian K. Vaughn and, and Tony Harris did about the, the Abraham Lincoln with the, uh, yeah. with the Hitler right, imagery or whatever, right. you know, and is, you know, talks about that a lot too. But that, that's the thing. It, it, it all depends on how you place it and what people know about what they're about to see going into it. Symbology, it is very part. I mean, I mean it, it, it I've also done shit for. I, I did Luna Bible, which has you know a Jesus <laughs> vampire thing. But and Jesus I get, was I get, the hero. He was a hero, and he was versus <laughs> the vampires. But I get shit for that sometimes. Why are vampires where, evil? Where sometimes people don't understand my point. If you actually read the book, it's sort of about... If you about, had had, like, Jesus versus Twilight, you would have been in the shit. I would have been in the shit. <laughs> but, but the point of the book is about separation of church and state. That's what it's about. It's, that's the whole point of the I've, book. I've heard that it is not in the Constitution. Uh, <laughs> well, If you actually look, going back, you kinda, go back and read it. Kind of going towards, back towards comics a little bit, I remember reading in Scott McCloud, one of Scott McCloud's books on creating comics. I don't remember which one. Making comics. Understanding, or, reading. Yeah, making, yeah. Having sex with comics. Um, <laughs> he, he, there was something I remember him pointing out about uh, his theories or his thoughts on why we um, sort of as a society are so attracted to comic book characters, sure. that kind of thing. Universal relatability yeah. of the symbol. And, yeah. and the symbol, but also... The, because we are able to project ourselves yeah. on them, because the more they're so, general, the more general, the more right. generic something is, the more, the you more can we can put yourself in. Yeah, so a symbol, you know, that, that's the same yeah, sort of thing. It's like you can you see, you know, going all the way back to the beginning of our conversation of of what when you see, you know, uh, in The Walking Dead, uh, whether you see it sexist or not, it's kind of you know what you're projecting on. You can yeah, kind of see true. whatever you want to see in it. So. I mean, certainly there have been things made that are clearly just sexist or clearly just oh, sure. racist or clearly just hateful. But I think a lot of things you can put your own experience on to good or bad effect. I mean, one of the, one, why does Mickey Mouse work so well? You know, Mickey Mouse has got black spots and white spots and whatever. He's not a person. He's he's universally relatable because. 
you know, Steamboat Willie is fucking chugging along on his job, and he's <laughs> he kind of looks like whatever. He looks like all of us. He's th- he's you, can three, proje- you, know, or, you can project or, or, whatever you want. Or Hello Kitty, who has three facial features, which is two eyes and a nose, and whatever. Smiley and, face. Oh, yeah, sorry. You know, Four. no, I'm just, you know. You but know, I mean, smi- the, smiley the, face, the there, smiley we, face we, we reduce everything to these sort of things, and then... We relate to that, and then we expect it to carry on the message that we'd like to carry. Right. Even though that's when we, we get in trouble. Not, that's when, that's we, get when trouble. we get in trouble. Wow, we may have yeah. just discovered that something right there. We, I think we Which did. is, we relate to things <laughs> universally, but then we get in trouble when we expect them to carry on our specific message. Uh, that's very interesting, actually. How poignant. Uh, we've, we've come up with something poignant, I think. Yeah. No, I mean, <laughs> by I, mistake. I, which is a weird thing about comics is that our job is to uh, universalize in cartoon. And, uh, but in the end, I, I, you know, we're also sort of going for a specific sort of thing. Uh, it's, yeah, I mean, I think we, sometimes we lose things along the way. Well, back to your point, to your point and and what we were talking about earlier too, is that I think when we run into problems of, I want that movie based on the comic book that I love to go in a certain direction because I'm projecting myself on that book, on those characters. And then when the movie or TV show goes in a different direction, I'm not really happy about it because it's really me. That's, you right, know what I mean? You. It's not a comic book anymore. It's, it never was. It's always been me from the beginning. Yeah, it's you tough. know, Superman Returns sucks because, not because it was badly written or anything else, but because that's, I'm Superman, not sure. the douchebag that played Superman. I want Christopher Reeve because that's who I see myself as, not whatever that guy's name is, you know, Brandon Ralph, Ralph. Brandon. who is awesome in Superman. Oh yeah. And, but you know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm speaking in generalities you know, I, I'm just saying you're really angry about this movie. I never no, knocked I up some actually, girl I worked with. What the fuck you guys? <laughs> but uh, you sure. know, just sort of, well, I mean the more universal, the, the story, the more appeal and I, you can make things who that appeal to specific audiences and still be successful. But the widest appeal, Superman, strange visitor from a strange land, trying to do good, even though he's not relating to these people is all of us. Yeah. X-Men, uh, you know, people who uh, are, are chastised and, and, and cursed for who they are, um, despite trying to do the greater good, we all relate to that. All of us uh, believe our politics are right, our race is right, whatever the case may be, even though we're all thinking the same thing, uh, makes those things uh, accessible. Because I made my mind up, you're going to be mine, I tell you right now. Any trick in the book now, baby All I can find Everybody Enough. is hustling I met him, uh, the, the, I was at the, this is before I left New York I was at the Marvel Christmas party Where Hater and uh, What's-His-Face The, uh, the yeah, head writer, yeah. the guy who does the news uh, Showed up for the first time because it was at a comic book club. Those guys who do the videos from New Zealand yeah, do sure. the comic book club. Alex Albin and all those guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah, they Pete. brought, but they brought them to the party or whatever. And it was weird because it was like Brew Baker and then Bill Hader and then uh, what's his face <laughs> and then somebody else. And they all got drunk. And that's why they did that Spider Man one shot was because they just got invited to the Marvel Christmas party and everybody at Marvel was like, please do something. Please give us something to do. Or whatever. <laughs> but only if Kevin McGuire draws it. Only guess what he, I think he actually <laughs> declared that. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it works for me. Short yeah. Halloween. Yeah. But they were, they're nice guys. They're really cool. Cool. You know, I, um, we had mentioned, uh, or I had mentioned a little bit earlier, the uh, the Avengers. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Uh, the uh, Earth's, or Avengers, the Earth's Mightiest Heroes. And I'm watching this thing, and I came to this realization that 
I'm liking this cartoon more than the comic book. <laughs> no. But I mean, it's the original team. Yeah, it's the original and, and, Avengers. And, and, that, yeah. and, that, and that's not a declaration that, that all Avengers comics are not very good. And Is this it, where you're going to Bendis rant? No, it's not where I go on a Bendis rant. It's, it's where I go on a, you know, sometimes you just need to boil things down and make them fun and fresh and... Whenever you make a cartoon of something and it's thrown out there for a brand new, totally new audience and you just boil it down to what it is, it's really fun and entertaining and it doesn't have to be mature and it doesn't have to be, you know, what we have come to expect out of comics. And I'm just like, well, but, but, but they still they make that comic. It's called Marvel Adventures Avengers. Why don't I read that? Because the comic or the comic book and it's the not car- as easy to digest. I, I, because the cartoon is awesome. I love it. I'm going to go home but, and watch and I think some we tonight. All, we, you know, I mean, Avengers is the comics I've, comic I've read longest my whole life. So okay, I've sure. read Avengers longer than I've read any other comic. Uh, Savage Dragon is second, I think. I've got set 15 years of Savage Dragon. I've got like 25 on Avengers. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's the thing. The original idea is is always best. Uh, mm-hmm. The original concept, there was original mix. It was completely random and accidental. It is the best, and it will always be that way. Really, uh, really good superheroes getting together to fight against the, the threats mix, that they couldn't take on by themselves. And, and the mix, I think, was always the best because um, you know the 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 Hulk as an Avenger is brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, Nobody wants to ever tackle that again. But the fact that they had to like rein in this dude who was like the fucking loose cannon, and then you had Hank and uh, Jan who were sort of this dysfunctional couple, and and Cap is this like you know weird leader, man out of time, man out of time, and and Iron Man. And you, well, and sometimes when you take those original ideas and you put them in the hands of somebody that hasn't been working with them for 20 years or 10 years you know and it's the first time they chris yost writes really good comics he writes fucking awesome cartoons you know sometimes sometimes it just works even better i mean i i I haven't watched all of those episodes yet um but like i saw the mini episode of Mm -hmm. the ant-man one and it was the first time in any comic cool yeah that i was like wow ant-man can be really cool so my job is to tap this cartoon yeah Yeah. (laughs) i have ant-man coming out next week (laughs) and ant-man will be cool again very soon i have not read your ant-man so uh (laughs) but no you know just the way and it was it was only a little short sure but it was just the way that they presented him of like oh you know what shrinking it's cool. be really cool. And a little dude yeah. with like the, the proportionate strength of a full size human being it's jumping cool. around yeah. can be a badass. It be really cool if you show it right. If you yeah. show it right. I, mean, I think that was the approach. Know. So when, when uh, my, my editor called me and said, Hey, what would you do with Ant Man and Wasp? And the first thing that comes to your mind is like, Oh, comic fans make fun of those guys all the time. And you get kind of bummed out. And the, uh, the second thing that comes to your mind is like, and Kirby kicked the fuck out of this. Yeah. You know, like, so you go, I, I went back to, and I read the original, uh, The Man in the Ant Hill, and I read all the original mm, all the Tales of, uh, Astonish, Tales of stuff, Astonish and all this sort of stuff. It's like, this wasn't lame then at all. And whoever thought that this was lame. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but Kyle, Kyle, Kyle cracked probably, out the high life. He's, yeah, he's living the high life. Living the high life. He's, he's, he's turning, I think, I think he's turning into Tom. I know. He's kind of morphing into. It's like it's like a Tom. Tom. It's a Tom appreciation. (laughs) It's an homage. (laughs) It's an homage to Tom. Tom Caters, who is a long, long time co-host of the show, was he was a hard hat beer guy. 
This is whenever I go. I'll let Tim get back to the story in a moment. Whenever I go and play, my buddies are in a band, and, and I, I sing with them sometimes, and they have a place they rent downtown. And every time I go there, it's like 40 dirty 30s of high life that just sit stacked in a corner for them to drink. So I've, I've grown to appreciate the subtle bouquet of high life. <laughs> Cheers to you. My, my, that's my dad's favorite beer. My dad came to, <laughs> my dad. My dad came to Chicago and I uh, took him out to this fancy bar, uh, Owen and Engine, down in Western there. And he ordered a beer and he said, I want Miller High Life. And they said, what? No, we don't have Miller High Life. And he said, well, what tastes like Miller High Life? And then I felt like a fucking asshole. But I dragged my dad to a bar that sold like $15 fucking cans of beer and they were amazing my dad really wanted an MGD <laughs> fucking, like a fucking asshole that's awesome I felt like an asshole I'm sorry so, uh, back to continue so with anyway so one of these things that, uh, that, that there's this sort of generation of cynicism that came after those original ideas which is you know Aquaman talks to fish and that's fucking lame and Ant-Man shrinks down and that's fucking lame uh, here, here's the thing. You know what? Ant-Man was way cool before Wolverine was ever fucking cool. Oh, yeah. And here's the, you know, and, and, and if you don't approach it with that sort of same uh, uh, interest in, in, in almost like a naivete where you're like, no, that's an awesome idea. And uh, so hopefully, like... If you don't I, take the character seriously, nobody else is going yeah, to. Yeah, and I think that's a problem is that people started to give in to these sort of like older jaded fan visions of what the character should be. Well, when I was a kid... The notion of shrinking or growing was fucking cool as shit. Oh yeah. And as you get older, you like start to go, "Oh, it's fucking gay." Popping claws and being able to regenerate is way cooler. Right. You're like, "No, fuck you, man. These are all awesome ideas. <laughs> it's just the way you play it, you know." So like, I, I hope and I appreciate that they made that shit cool. I haven't seen the cartoon. I, it's, uh, yeah, I'm it's, gonna it's, love it. I know. Yeah. Avengers really, literally, longest comic I've followed. Savage Dragon is the only thing that comes close. But uh, the idea that they made that shit cool, amazing. Uh, I hope we do it. Uh, we have a scene in issue two of Ant-Man where um, he gets small and runs up. He's got uh, sort of suppression on his uh, his boots. He's able to run up your body and then punch you in the head. <laughs> like I think that's a cool scene. Like you see a little guy, like you're like, oh, he's running up my body. Tries to swat him off. He just punches you in the face. That's fucking cool. He's got the strength of like a dude of his, you know his size. Uh, but we, I, I mean, I, it bums me out that uh, some of those greatest characters are sort of treated. Um, as jokes. I mean, Ant-Man and Wasp were the original Avengers. Yeah, when I was yeah a kid, two of the original yeah, five. When, when yeah. I was a kid, my, my dad uh, brought me... The first comics I ever saw of Avengers was because my dad brought me uh, his old comics. And, and a highlight. I thought those things were fucking cool. <laughs> they were like, yeah, and a highlight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoy this MGD and Avengers number four. But, uh, you know, and, and he, he didn't make fun of him. He just said, uh, you know, he was his comics I really liked and... And I, I, I grabbed on, and why? Well, should I mean, I? I mean that that stuff just spun right out of the you know weird science and and all of the comics, the, you know the, the the science fiction comics of the fifties. Yeah. Here we are in the early sixties. Incredible Shrinking Man yeah. and all this sort of like ideas. Yeah, it, it's he's a he's a super intelligent scientist that can right. control his size and and from you know to yeah. shrink small. Or, and it's just or so weird that it's like, a basic wish fulfillment thing. Yeah, and, sure. but but Hank is defined by a sort of shitty issue where he punched his wife in the face like that is what defines that character and unfortunately mm -hmm. that character was cool when Kirby made him up and you know, sure. Kirby and Stanley made him up and I, it bums me out that a character is defined by like the worst moment that someone wrote for him who uh, wrote that anyway Jim Shooter it was Shooter. Jim Shooter did some great issues of Avengers but I think he got desperate and tried to make Hank into something that 
he could play off of as the like sort of bad boy, right. and it just came across as really sort of stupid. And Jim Shooter did some really amazingly good stuff, and then some really like didn't Jim Shooter also write the Hulk almost gets raped by two men at the YMCA issue or whatever? Sure, <laughs> you know, and it's like okay, sometimes you just need to forget the bad stories. Well, just, I mean, I, well, I, to so, me, sometimes you get the feeling that Shooter was watching the the, the TV movie of the week. Sure, a little that he was too trying much. To, yeah, and I I think the problem with, with if if Kirby had had seen what would become of Hank, he would have been pissed off. He'd have beat somebody's ass. Yeah, and 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 so when when I had when I mean in my case where I'm like, here you're tasked to write these classic characters, this classic fucking character who's been around as long as Thor or fucking oh, Iron yeah. Man, but who's never had the respect. How do you treat this? And you go, okay, here's the shitty story he was involved in, and here's all these other great ones. You have to acknowledge the shitty sort of like. This character is a fucking asshole story, but why rely on why that? Is that why, the only why is that the only thing that yeah, we remember? I mean, this of, character is great. It's like he's a brilliant scientist. He's like an atheist who is so smart he can't believe in God. It's like there's so many great ideas there. Dan, you know, Dan Slott actually did a lot to. I really to, liked. To, I, I liked Dan stuff. So when I, when yeah, I, but yeah. he also sort of made him more depraved than I would have ever have done. And so when I read Dan's stuff and they said, "Okay, here's what we're kind of doing with him," and he had him like. You know, sort of in a weird relationship with Joe Castor to replace his relationship with Jan. <laughs> yeah, that shit I never would have done in a million years. So I, when I took it on, it's like I'm gonna make this character more pure. I don't. I like characters who are faulted, but I don't want them to be fucked up. I don't want them to be perverts. They're superheroes. Mm-hmm. They're pretty good, right? Well, how do you handle Eric O'Grady? No, he's a fuck up. Okay, but he's a fuck up. <laughs> he's a foil though. He's right? a fuck yeah, up. He's, off the other. he's yeah. a fuck up. He's not fucked up. Yeah. Okay. The, I, I think the way that you have to handle Eric O'Grady and the way that I really like what Kirkman treated him as is that he would really like to be a better person, but he isn't. And and mm-hmm. that's a really interesting character in that he actually strives for better, but he just doesn't he get can't, there. He can't, he can't get out of his own that's way. That's really cool. Yeah. I mean, like, his aspirations are better than most characters in the Marvel Universe, whereas he's like, you know, he's like sort of a, 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 a tweak on the sort of Spider-Man your greatest responsibility, you know, great power leads greatest responsibility. Is greatest responsibility keeps uh, causing me to do worse shit. Yeah. And he means well, but he's that sort of like great. Uh, he, he, character. Well, yeah. it, he's he's what Spider Man would have been if the spider had bitten Flash Thompson and not Peter sure. Parker. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. and, and uh, that's a, I think that's an appealing character in the way that it's uh, it, it's so Marvel. You know, like Marvel was always about these sort of faulty characters who did their best to be better. You know, Hawkeye or um, uh, Spider-Man or, you know, you're, it, it, it comes down to that sort of thing, which DC was always like, you know, their characters were always the purest examples of, of, of human. Marvel's characters had clay feet. Their heroes they had clay feet, feet and, but they and, were always and, trying to be yeah, better. Oh, absolutely. And I think uh, we've lost that in a lot of things, yeah. but um, those characters... You know exactly. It, went, it did go from it went from that, and and you know not to necessarily rip on Wolverine or anything, but to that it changed to the anti more of an anti hero, yeah. a flawed hero to an anti hero. Right, which and, is and, why and, I've and never liked Punisher into, very much, and yeah. you know like some other characters where it's like. I would rather see what they well, try to do to be better than what they did to be a well, fuck. I mean, staying stay, stay with the Avengers, you know, Avengers number sixteen, they totally get rid of the original team and they bring in they bring Caps, in, I, Kooky Quartet, yeah, a convict and and two members of the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants and Captain America are the are the new Avengers and. But I, I yeah. mean, what I what I think what made Marvel to me as a kid so appealing, and I hope it is always eternally renewing, which is. 
you have these great powers and you're going to redeem yourself, right? Scarlet Witch, Quicksilver, Hawkeye. All these characters are... That's what I think makes the Avengers so great, right? That's what makes them not the Justice League. And, yeah. uh, you know, and you hope that people constantly sort of renew that thing. But they should always try to be better people. But how you know, do you go... Like, how do you take a character like Hank, who, like you said, his, you know, his worst moment is years and years behind him, though. Like, at this point, how is Hank flawed? Yeah, you know what I mean. Well, like, I mean, how I, do you I, I, set up a flaw for him? How do you set up a weakness for him to because, try and overcome? Because he, his, without his, going back to the well, same tropes, well, that, the, that, the that, that's that, easy. That's easy. He is he's one of the smartest people on the planet, but he's never going to be as smart as Reed Richards or, or Tony, Tony Stark. Stark. Yeah, but that's that, but that, the that's way that just we play ego. That's not a fl- but that's, the way that that's a I, character flaw and sure. not necessarily that's well, a flaw. But the way we played him in the book is if you are so smart, like. If you're Hank and you're so smart, everyone else is, you're basically impatient with them. You're really trying hard to like, but you have so many ideas. Like Hank's problem is he has so many ideas. He's so focused all the time that he misses things like simple things like shaving and taking a shower and being courteous. All these things are, 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 are secondary to him because really if you're at the bank teller and you're like, uh, you know, I'd like to get out twenty one dollar bills, and they're taking their fucking time, and you're all, the only thing you can think is of, I could have solved world hunger in the time it took me to get those things, right. and you're right. I mean, how would that not make you an impatient? Yeah, yeah. And I think that's the toughest thing for Hank is he's a stranger in a strange land. Is everyone else moves at quarter the speed of what he does? So in his case, it's like being the. Uh, it, he comes across as being sort of an immoral jerk, which in fact is he's just ahead of the game. And Eric O'Grady comes across as being an immoral jerk because he is an immoral, immoral jerk. jerk. But he's really trying. <laughs> but he's trying so hard, which Hank has never had to try. Right. And I think that's where the characters kind of meet in the middle, and that's, that's what I had to find to do this series. And it, 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 it thrills me to think that they, when they do the cartoon, they're going to pick up on those very subtle things that made those Stanley and Jack Kirby characters so relevant. Mm-hmm. And maybe those kids reading the books the first time didn't catch it right away, but you read The Man in the Anthill, the, the first appearance of Dr. Pym, and that is already apparent to that character. He's, he's uh, overconfident. He's, he's so full of himself. He's, he's egotistical, yeah. but he's really trying to help. Uh, but he's kind of moved beyond that by the time. It's funny, how, you know, as much as we look at modern comics and, and you know, how we like to think how much more mature or complex they are the simpler ways that you know they were able to get across those ideas those concepts of characters i mean peter parker was very easy you well, know i mean you understood that character yeah. right away i the think fan, it's, it's not necessarily complexity is that they <clears throat> nailed it up right off the bat and it got more complex because more complex because the sort of the 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 level of what you had to translate into other media and all these sort of things, but it was all there in those first stories. Mm-hmm. That's why Daredevil and all those original Stan and Jack or Stan Wildwood or Stan and Steve Divko stories are still around is because right off the bat, they captured everything you needed to know. Justice is blind. Boom, Daredevil. Uh, great power of responsibility. Boom, Spider-Man right off well, the bat. Well, that's what I mean. They, they just took really simple, actually simple count. Yeah, know, and it's really hard to beat that. 
I mean, you can it's choose really your friends, but not your family. Boom, boom, fantastic. fantastic. Four. And it gets it gets more more intense as you look at the specifics of any issue. And that's we were talking earlier this evening about this uh, video that's online of this show for Sci Fi Channel where Stan Lee yep. was looking at the original art for Fantastic Four twelve. Right. And and, that, and at one point in this video, this guy is showing him all this art, and there's this panel where it's the thing climbing up a building, and Stanley says, "Oh, you know, here I can tell." that I had a panel where I could put a bunch of dialogue, but I really wanted this idea where it looks like he's, it, he's in the middle of a, of a building. It's, it's a real long panel. So I only put one word balloon there because I wanted to see the scope and the shape. And when Kirby was doing cartooning and where people were doing cartooning, then they would, they would cram a bunch of information in a certain space. They would draw a bunch of stuff in a certain space. And you saw a visual metaphor for whatever was happening these days. And these days, I, there are a lot of things I like about modern comic art in terms of it looks like a, you know, a movie script in there or a movie uh, storyboard and there are beats in that and you get a lot more character stuff out of that. But you don't get that metaphor. You know, th- those mm-hmm. kind of core concepts don't come through in sure. every panel and every moment like they did back then when they were simple. But, I mean, and, and I think the really good guys and a lot of times you see this in the indie guys get that you know like yeah. they sort of get that metaphor uh, and I, I'll always remember this when I worked as Marvel an intern Klaus Jansen one time came in and uh, this is amazing Klaus is the best Klaus That's is the awesome. best guy ever and, and, and I'm an intern at Marvel and I'm just like this kid I have my portfolio and I come in every day with my portfolio in hopes of like sort of impressing Ralph Macchio or Whoever Tom Brevor, whoever's my editor that day, and 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 Klaus would just be like, "Hey, let's uh, let's go have a conversation." He was just cool like that. And I had this shot where I had a guy stand on the edge of of a, of a ridge on a building with the idea of he's going to jump off this building. It's like suicide. Batman is trying to prevent him from killing himself. And Klaus said, "You're trying to show the weight of the world on this guy." I had an upshot, and Klaus said, "Make it a downshot because the whole building is above him." I thought, fuck, I would never. <laughs> I'm 19 years old, whatever. Yeah. I never would have thought of how brilliant that is. If I shot it from above, the whole weight of that building is coming down on that guy. That's so fucking smart, you know? Like, And these early guys, they knew that about comics. I think there are artists who know that now, John Romita Jr. and Stuart Iman in and whatever. But I, I think you, you, you end up uh, sort of being slave to, uh, you know, Whatever we have to show this issue, and if that means uh, I got to sell this page for to to an art right. collector, or I got to fucking show Deadpool in a cool shot. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, and I well, even go as far as uh, I mean, you know, the coloring. It, you know, back then it was simple coloring. You had very simple palettes. Yeah. And yeah, I think my, a lot of times it was even more effective than to, a lot of today's coloring, where you see, you know, this the the the. the you know, skittle coloring of computer sure. coloring. The it's unlimited like, color palette. Yeah, and I it's think, just like everything's so high rendered. I would and, love and to see, see more, more comics art. go back to a limited color palette. But then palette. you look at something like, well, uh, you know, like I have here, uh, Parker, you know, those two colors. Yeah, it's like two color, and he does more with those two colors than oh. a lot of guys well, do. Well, the, 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 the Jason book that we were talking yeah. about, that I killed Adolf Hitler. But it's, it's just a, like, it's, it's like boiling it down to the simple, you know, the simplest nature of it and using that. In telling your story, instead of like well, covering up your lack of storytelling ability with all the bells and whistles, and talking about um, uh, that Klaus Jansen moment that you had, which is is amazing. My uh, my favorite New York Comic Con experience was uh, I was uh, at the the iFanboy booth, and uh, uh, I, w- I was there with Phil Hester, and he was doing you know he was there for I don't know an hour to do a signing, 
and uh, this this young 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 feller comes up and uh, and says, "Hey, would you would you be able to look at at some of my work?" And this kid was a a student at the at the Kubert School, so he's you know serious about one day becoming becoming a comic book artist. And to sit there and watch Phil Hester spend about twenty minutes with this kid talking about his art and how he can you know improve you know to the point that he took he took the kids pages and he said do you have some some you know some scratch paper in your in your book and and he he's like yeah and he took it out and Phil basically you know did you know traced over over some of the panels that he had and it's like well in this in this scene you want to make this the focus and you want to bring it to the it to the yeah, forefront Phil's definitely one of those guys the, I, I remember it, years the, ago i he was teaching at uh, wizard world here he was teaching just to understand panel. how much of a storyteller he is and breaking down panels it was it was amazing to watch yeah he he did a little panel on thumbnailing Mm-hmm. And how to use thumbnails, how to thumbnail, how to, and and it was one of the most educational half hours I've ever spent with somebody, you know, talking about comics. Because yeah, it feels feels really uh, incredibly bright when it comes to that. So, I mean, he knows story, he knows how to, you know, it's you know, how do you whenever you tackle a page, Tim, it's there are these there are these tips and to sit there and watch phil you know talk to this this kid about this is you know we talk all the time it's like this artist is a great storyteller i mean you were talking about uh the uh the darwin cook uh the outfit and i think that everyone kind of like inherently just knows that darwin cook is an amazing storyteller just in in his panel layouts and 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 how he progresses things he's just an amazing storyteller you know who are the guys in the industry for you tim that you look at and you're like man this guy just he just tells a great story the toughest thing about doing mainstream comic book work is that um when you know when you learn about storytelling, uh, you don't really look at a lot of modern superhero guys. You look at, uh, you know, the best storytelling stuff is like Will Eisner and, and, and Wood and Charles Burns and Wally Wood and and you know oh, no Charles one, Burns really, yeah, Charles Burns, Charles Barks absolutely too. Oh, Charles Barks, but Charles Barks too. Okay, I mean, it's oh, talking I about Charles you know, Burns, Scrooge, Charles yeah. Burns. Okay, uh, but you look at this stuff and it's like, here's the thing that sells right, and you've got to do. You look at. Like even though Jim Lee does a really good, uh, he's a pretty good. Great draftsman, incredible draftsman. Great draftsman. Yeah. There are things that he does with splash pages, and all these sort of things, or Michael Turner or or David Finch, where you're like, these are the popular artists, but they actually kind of go against a lot of the things that you were taught as being like great storytelling moments. Because, you know, you you're always sort of in that level of like, do I do the thing that best serves the story or the best serves the sort of fan fan reaction, right? Uh, and that's tough, you know. It's like, uh, well, it's. I mean, it, you know, is Michael Bay the best director out there? Well, no. his movies make a shit ton of money. I know. Yeah, you know the, what I mean? The box so office the, says yes. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? But I mean, technically but speaking, he's he's pretty unskilled. Um, but I mean, a lot of these guys have have this sort of skirt this middle line, and you know, you can't deny the sort of like a visceral accessibility of a Rob Liefeld comic or sort of powerful effect of a Jim Lee comic or the like I'm amazed by the detail of a Jeff Darrow or of, of, a, mm-hmm. of, of mm-hmm. a Dave Finch comic wherein technically if you're going for ultimate storytelling ability and you're going for accessibility and sort of like do I get the moments 
maybe it's not the most uh, sort of academic version of that. Well, so you think, always have to skirt that sort of level. Yeah. It's like, I mean, when I, you know, when I write something, this, and I've had this, I had this with Ant Man and Wasp or, or anything else I write for myself. Uh, the, the writer at, part of me is such an asshole because I never draw, I never write anything for me to fucking excel as an artist. Mm-hmm. I put in three issues of Ant Man Wasp, I put one fucking splash page in, one fucking splash page. <laughs> you know, if I was a, a guy who was trying to be sort of more commercial, more accessible. If I were a Jeff Loeb, I would say, okay, artists sell books. I'm going to put space for J. Scott or Dave Finch or Joe McGinnis to draw yeah, the shit McGinnis, out of it. Whoever, right. yeah. And I never do that for myself. I always, I'm, I'm way too Why concerned. Why not, Tim? I'm way too concerned about the individual beat moments to do that for myself. That sounds fucked up, but writer me is way more anal than writer, artist me. That's just the way I roll. But I mean, it's interesting to see like what fans respond to, and maybe not academic, but it's certainly powerful. Do you, do you, personally, do you, I'm a McFarlane and a Rob Liefeld and mm-hmm. Jim Lee fan, but academically, it's it's not always super accurate. Do you, do you think splash pages get overused? They do. They were supposed to be. I mean, the intent when Jack did it would. I mean, Jack invented the splash, splash page. Okay. Uh, Jack Kirby. Jack, was, and the intent when he did it was for huge. Cinematic, huge moments, Effect. huge yeah. moments that you built up to, and it got translated to six pages you know, of the Batcave. <laughs> <laughs> Not talking about Jim Lee, but it, it, that's what it turned no, into. I mean, it like, did. You know it what did. I mean? Like, it, it became it the into... reveal page. Yeah, uh, where it used to be, the reveal page might be twelve panels on one page and, and seven panels yeah. on the next. Well, I think it turned into the reveal page, and it also turned into the I can sell this splash page for a yeah. shit no, of yeah, money. Secondary market. The guy who I think everybody should really check out if you're an artist and you want to learn about things you should do, and I don't know if he's doing it as much anymore, but Eddie Campbell used to do mm. a blog back in the day, and what he would write on his blog, I remember he wrote a whole sequence. And, and these days, like I said, when you think about how certain people do comic pages, they'll do a, it looks like a movie storyboard where it's these yeah. long widespread panels and it's one guy who's running and there's a bunch of, a shitload of speed lines. And then the next panel is the guy who's chasing him and it's like to the left and yeah. it's a bunch of speed lines. But Eddie Campbell did a thing once. I remember where he was saying, look, if you want to do a, a story about one guy chasing another, every panel should have both guys in it because the, the, the visual story is about the relationship between sure. these two people. And you want to frame that image together, you know, and a, and a bunch of things like that, that you don't think about. About because well, it, but I mean, it all too. depends on what effect you're going for. Too. But I mean, I mean not we're, every story we're also more inter- be- we're also influenced by manga in current yeah. American comics, which they would never do both people. Yeah, in the same panel, never. No, never. So I mean, you can kind of call it out as being, you know, uh, this is not sort of about the relationship. But you know, in manga, we would have focused on the tear coming down the guy's face. <laughs> single single tear. Yeah. Ant Man, single tear. I was. It was interesting. Yeah. You know, you're talking about. The relationship between you know academic and and popular is yeah. kind of what, you know what what everyone considers good and then what people actually buy. And it was interesting. I was re- I was just reading a, a study was done on this, and and uh, part of the study was um, they had these people and, and they gave them a choice of films uh, <laughs> to watch. This is awesome. And he said, okay, you have you you pick three films. Uh, on the first day you have to pick one film. On the second day you pick another film. And the third day. You, you pick the third film, but you pick them all today. So you pick the three, pick, and, pick then, all three and then, and then, then you, you tell the me which one you're going to watch today, which one you're going to watch tomorrow, which one you're going to watch on the third day. Uh, something like 85% of the people all picked Shawshank Redemption as one of their three films. 
Really? But about 70% of those people picked it as their third day film and never watched it. Because they all knew they should watch it because they know it, you know, they've, they've been told it was a good movie, won all sorts of Academy Awards, and they know they should watch it for their own good. But in reality, on the first day and the second day, what they watched was speed and, you know, whatever, you know, whatever I mean, action film. That? How do you fault that? It, it, it's it's the difference between what we, you know, logically what we know is good for us and what is actually good. Good, not good, but, <laughs> but what is actually more in depth or more it looks at the human no, condition just or, or whatever. Just enough else. to just easy yeah. to take, well, easy it, to consume. It's part of It's the McDonald's Happy Meal versus the you know the well, the, real, the another, really another, healthy another, home cooked meal. Going to, yeah. to food, another part of the study was food. They said they asked well, they asked it. all these people. They said, okay, a week from now, I'm going to give you a choice. You can either have a plate of carrots. Or no, a plate of apples, sliced apples, or a piece of cake. What do you choose? What will you choose a week from now? And the majority of the people said, oh, I'll take oh, the, the carrots, the, 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 the apples. apples. Yeah. But then a week later, they all took the cake. Because it's the immediacy of sure. it as opposed to... And how to, do you fault you, that? Yeah, I mean, you, you, you know, so it's the same thing. It's like, yeah, we know what we should like or what, what, what we, is good, what is good for us, regardless of entertainment or anything sure. else. But the reality is, hey, you know what? Sometimes I just want to sit down... And 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 just watch guys, you know, hit each other. Well, I Sometimes to, I just I, want to watch wrestling. I don't sure. want to watch Shawshank. Well, I had this weird thing because before I was married, I mean, you know, I'm. I don't want to say I'm, I'm pretentious, but I think I've learned that post uh, being married. But <laughs> I would never, you know, come home and watch shit TV. I would never do that. I would never be like, I come home and I'll watch fucking bad sitcoms or reality TV. I would never do that in my life. I never chose that. But. I might come home and be like, I will watch, you know, a couple horror movies or whatever, whatever. But since I've gotten married, I don't have a very big house. I come home and my wife will be like, oh, I had an awful day. And my wife, when she has an awful day, wants to watch, you know, Bridezilla's or... Because uh, she doesn't have to think Jersey about it. Jersey Lynch. She just wants to take her mind off of it. Right. She, doesn't she doesn't want to think, think about, about it. it. She doesn't want to... But my choice when I watch anything is not to not think. But I think about it, I have a great job I love. So I don't have to do that. <laughs> well, so, I'll tell you, uh, you know, uh, seven years ago, eight years, no, eight years ago, nine years ago, up, up, up until about nine years ago, eight years ago now, I would, you know, watch all the best movies. I would, you know, I read tons of, of books. I uh, consumed, you know, literature and took my time and studied things. Then I had kids. And now I come home, I work, I, and then I, you know, see my kids sure. for a couple of hours and at nine o'clock at night, when they finally get, you know, fight them to get them in bed, and you know, between breaking them up from, you know, killing each other and yeah. arguments and everything, the dogs and the house, and my wife tells me there's something wrong with it. You know, I just put on the Big Bang Theory. I don't want to fucking think. I, did it. I, did I don't. It. I don't want. You know. I don't want. You got to fucking... deal with me eight hours a day. Yeah, exactly. I don't. <laughs> you know, it's like I don't want to fucking use my brain anymore. I've been. It, it's been stressed the, out. The weird all... approach. I think what I learned about it because my my both my parents are, are middle class. My neither of my parents went to college. My mom, you know, every night came home and watched Designing Women and fell asleep on the couch. <laughs> and my dad every night watched House Two and fell asleep on the, the chair downstairs. And my approach has always been. I want to slip Every in. night he watched House 2? Well, whatever. He loved that damn, fucking movie. Well, maybe, I like that movie, but damn. Maybe damn. Troll 2. That's kind of fucked Troll up. Troll 2. Whatever House great, two. you know, shitty fucking People under thing. the stairs, too. He never too. watched TV, but he always watched movies. But 
The hills ha- have eyes again. Again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they will come back. So I think that has influenced the way I do things. Is That's why I end up doing something not like, you know, uh, uh, Jason's uh, uh, sort of Israeli approaches to w- World War II or whatever. And why, but I always try to do things that are like, hey, this is deceptively brainless, mm-hmm. but it has a moment of... Sort of intellectuality, and that's because I love those things that I that I that challenge me. Uh, but I know that most people don't want to see that all the time, and so I don't want to make. Even though I love the shit out of something super challenging, like you know, uh, like a Charles Burns book or or whatever, uh, I I would also really like to enjoy something for the pure visceral uh, level of dudes punching heads. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what if we combine both those things? And I think you know, you're right. I think that's what. Why I always do like things like hack slash or love money. It's like half half ass punch face shit, fuck whatever, and then moment of humanity. And maybe that's the sort of influence. See, <laughs> yeah, I thought you were just doing it uh, to get laid. That's what I. <laughs> I'm, married. I I'm married. I'm married. I can't well, be shit to get hack slash for years before you were married. So. I never got laid from hack slash <laughs> until my wife, and that was six. It was a year after I started. So okay, now right. I probably could. And it had nothing to do with the comic. No, well, no, she was in the play, so oh. technically, technically it has to do with the play. But now I could probably uh, reap some ass rewards, but I'm married, so it's no yeah. fucking good. Yeah. shit. Yeah. Damn. <laughs> Whatever. No, I was going to say, it's really weird because I remember thinking this a few years ago, and it's a thought I've had in my mind a while. I went to uh, SPX, and uh, I, I went to the panel that was like about comics criticism, and Gary Groth was on the panel, and mm-hmm. Gary is a guy who, like, I get the feeling whenever he I interact comics. with him. Well, no, no. <laughs> I've got the feeling whenever I interact with him, like, to him, if he's absorbing storytelling or media of any kind, he wants it to be sobering, serious shit about the human condition that makes him think about the, like the, 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 the pressure of life, yeah. which is like amazing stuff. But it's like, man, I can't imagine being a person who wants to read that shit I, I all the time. That's I can't, the can't, only thing he wants. Yeah, I, yeah. I can't read a serious polyp every night. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's great. I, I talked about this on 11 o'clock this week. You know, I love those books. I loved a serious polyp and three-story. And but God, you know, I've been reading the Six Gun, and God damn, are those fun comics? Yeah. I, it's you know, give me Colin Bunn, motherfucker. Oh man, they're so good. And, and you know, I, I want, I want to see, you know, I want to see a good face punch from time to time. Well, I mean, so. but I think, I, I think there's, there's a uh, the level of which I see Jersey Shore on TV, and I scoff and I say, "Fuck you, America! You think this is good? You're fucking retarded." On the other hand, I couldn't watch. The most serious of things. I can't watch Jersey Shore because it's the lowest comedy. It's the dumbest thing yeah. ever. But I couldn't watch the smartest thing ever all the time. You know, it's like I have to have that sort of like something in between Jersey Shore and Nova Marvel Comics. You know, yeah. <laughs> I, I think I found for me anyway the perfect balance in shows for that is MythBusters. That's because yeah, yeah, it's yeah, like yeah, yeah. funny, they stupid. Know they you know they fall. They they you know like guys get hit in the nuts. But, it, it's but for, then there's it, some science, and they're talking about physics. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But but they know it too, man. They know that. Oh, yeah, they, yeah. they got it down. It's for it's for pseudo smart people. Yeah, it's yeah, it's a yeah. pseudo intellectual. Even though we you know Are we you just call me pseudo smart. That's not nice. Yes, it's well, you're you're American. Girl. You're smart. <laughs> you know, um, um, we had talked about um, uh, a, a fairly smart show. Uh, have you have you all seen Sherlock yet? The BBC Sherlock. No, I hear it's really good though. It's really, really, good. and there's only three of them. And the first one is really good. The second one 
is 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 probably the weakest of the three, but the third one. Have you had a chance? To I have not watched the third one yet. The third one's fucking awesome. The it's, first one I thought was great. Yeah, yeah. very good, very good. So I mean, that's 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 just good smart TV. Well, there's a you know that's a perfect example of like oh well that's you know Sherlock Holmes has been around for how many years and yeah, here's another take at least thirty. And, and, sure. Yeah, and how many movies? <laughs> at least thirty years. <laughs> And uh, this movie well, last just, year. Yeah, but well, speaking I mean, of, like, of the ultimate how combination many? of smart and dumb, BBC. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Britain, Benny uh, Hill. England, yeah, <laughs> has some of the dumbest TV shows I've ever seen in my life. Dumber than any American TV oh, show. Oh God! Most most of the dumb TV shows in America originated in, in Great Britain. But, I think you have to have but they balance. also have some of the smartest. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, they really fucking See, rule. It, it surprised me with, with Sal because um, he knows I I enjoy most things British, and you have a, a, You're a, an dis- a, a, a just I am an Anglophile, yes. and you have a disdain for most most things British. Yes. and so I was. Honestly, I was I was really timid about trying to turn you on to, to Sherlock because you're going to be like, oh fucking BBC. Well, no, I don't have a problem. Like Sherlock is fine because you know it's like that that it originated. It was originally British. It's like James Bond. I can't complain about you know a British James Bond. You know what I mean? <laughs> I can't complain about British Sherlock Holmes, but it's like. Some of the other things I don't, you know, I don't. But the, the biggest sleaze tabloid bullshit comes from England. Oh yeah, the best, oh, most intelligent <laughs> stuff also comes from England, which makes me appreciate England in a weird way. That's an interesting little island, right? We're it? also yeah. we basically in America we we come from like second to the dumbest and second to the smartest, so we're just like in the middle. It, America is if you took England and like fed it with miracle grow for like two hundred years. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, that's yeah, exactly yeah, what it is. And, yeah, yeah, no, and and, and uh, it's it's always funny to see. I I, I used to think, you know, I, I mean, and I think uh, a lot of Americans maybe think, did you watch BBC or you listen to uh, great BBC radio? And you think, God, they really they did much smarter stuff. I think it's and just the accent. No, it's, it's not. <laughs> the, it's not even because you watch their really worst shit, and much. they have the biggest tabloid sleazeball. Oh yeah, fucking yeah. bullshit. Dumbest people ever TV shows you've ever seen, and you go, "Oh no way! This is why we're colonial to them. We are exactly <laughs> like them, except moderately more like in the middle. Like they have more extreme bullshit and smart than we do." But I don't know if that's true. Them. I think we've just put our efforts into. Things I mean, that, American Idol comes from England, so you know yeah. that tells you how dumb a, a things. A lot can of the mo- reality yeah. television comes from comes England. From, yeah, yeah, so. yeah, big, absolutely. Big brother. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but I tell you, you know, what are the back, genius the, from England? But, That's but what hey, I'm trying to figure but out. back to comics. I think yes. some of the greatest comic book creators of all time are are British. We're going to talk about Alan Moore now. <laughs> uh, hey, you, know, you can run down the list. You know, there are an amazing list of bo- of both artists and writers that that are British. But sure, I mean, um, but yeah. but the UK has also given us some of the dumbest shit. So you know, yeah. Well, ha- are you are you a 2000 AD fan? I mean, I think it works. I, I've enjoyed a lot of it. Someone in this surprised. room has referred to it as incredibly overwritten. I will not say who that person is. I'll tell you what, uh, I grew up on British stuff, I always thought British stuff was better, and then I go back and read a lot of it and I go, oh no, they just it's just hateful of the audience. And that's fine. And a lot of it is hateful of the audience. A lot of the guys that we, 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 we really sort of praise now are actually just completely hateful of the people who read it. And really? Yeah, actually, absolutely. I mean, some of the biggest uh, British or UK stars now are hateful of the audience. Uh, some of them are also, I mean, some of them are Grant Morrison. 
You know, or, <laughs> some of them are Grant Morrison and are so smarter than us and have so many brilliant ideas uh, that we could. Uh, never... It's really interesting to me though how many British guys are interested in don't making a Grant commentary Morrison. on America. You know, or like well, you know sure. whatever they want. Well, they, they they, those to. guys want to come. They want to do a story about Superman. They want to do a story that involves Captain well, this America. Well, this is what, the, but this is why yeah, I was I talking about. You know, you're saying, oh, they have the smart, they have like the higher level of smarter people. No, No, they don't, because we have smart guys too. I'm just saying, I think it's it's just a matter of we've found easier ways to make money. And that's what we've put our efforts into. If, if, If science was the number one way or literature was the number one way to make money in, in this country, you'd see a lot of smart motherfuckers showing their stuff. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I think you look at, uh, um, you know, what, what they tend to do, and it, it, it tends to be because they didn't grow up... Well, wait, one generation of Brits didn't grow up on superhero books, and you, it really is by, by generation. So uh, Alan Moore came from a generation where they got only reprints, and by the time the 80s came around, he'd only seen 10 years previous. He saw 70s stuff, and, and it was like reprints of other stuff. But you, you had guys who uh, were literally like 10 years behind, but were a little bit more uh, adult by the time they saw you know Superman or, or whatever. I have a burp right now. But anyway, um, when you look at like the way the British approach things, it's literally just because they had other things. I mean, you know, Garth Ennis now grew up on 2000 AD. So why does he love? He loves military stuff and all those sort of things. And, and primarily in the United States, we grew up in superheroes, and, and, and that's the way it is. Uh, 20 years from now, I don't know if there will be a, a, a sort of disconnect between Brit writers and American writers because we all they were all reading ma- manga. Have you guys you read know? Clint yet at all? I have not. It is him. really, really interesting, that magazine. It, it, it fascinates me in a way in which I cannot describe. More, more so than Dodge and Logic? More so than Dodge and Logic because really? Clint really? Is, is really – there are certain ways in which it is a perfect Mark Miller magazine in which it is very low ball, you know, like here are our spread of hot moms. Here is our, you know, kind of very – you know, kind of you – know. He frustrates me so much because, because you like is. him and you can't help it. Well, no, it's, it's – it's, I, I don't know. Good idea is expectations that you're retarded. Yeah, yeah, well, like, that's, yeah, that's, that's, that's a Miller. really good, yeah, absolutely. Like, great, great ideas, but I don't want to give you any more credit than you're a fucking mouth-breathing retard. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but but he's, he's framed that whole magazine in this way in which, you know, there there is a history of British comics. There was Eagle back in the absolutely. 30s and 40s, and there were, there were Avengers comics that way. Before, and then, and then, I mean, the... Bef- before United American Com- comics started well, to become shipped over. Right, exactly. I mean, they, yeah, exactly. We, we invented it, but they uh, did their own thing. They did their own thing for a while, and then, and then at a certain point, 2000, and AD came in in the late 70s and through the 80s was was the giant thing in which all these guys kind of you know however you want to say be vulgar busted their nut and then they all came to America and then into the 90s 2008 it kind of crested and went down and this is trying to be you know the next big thing but it's really weird how there are a lot of interesting and unique Britishisms about how editorially that magazine works about how Mark Miller presents himself in that magazine and then the, the main strips on it are you know it's, it's reprinting turf which is Jonathan Ross doing a vampires meets prohibition America strip there is uh, Frankie Boyle who's a British comedian who's very British and is not known at all in America doing a strip which is his take on Lex Luthor which is, is, is really superhero American oriented strip and it's, it's Miller reprinting Kick-Ass reprinting Nemesis reprinting American Jesus which is what he's re, uh, sure. renamed Chosen so it's it's this really kind of weird balancing point and I'm wondering how 
uh, you know, I, I'd like to see that. I'd like to see any kind of broader mass media uh, magazine for comics do well, and I'd like to see Clint do well for the British market. And his goal has been to put it out into newsstands and to put it out for people. But I'm wondering how will that market? How will the young people in Britain these days? absorb that magazine and what will it make when the people who are making it are obviously very influenced by American media, very influenced by American but, comics. But, you know, Judge Dredd took place in the United States. I yeah, mean, yeah, it did. Here's the totally thing. Did. I mean, the, the reality of, of, of the colonial uh, and versus uh, Britain thing has always been that we're in love with a hate-love relationship with each other. Yeah. I mean, that's how it works. Uh, you know, and... So, so you know, Watchmen is a, uh, a distillation of American comics, whereas uh, great, you know, fucking Judge Dredd is a distillation of uh, American politics and, 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 and crime. And it's weird. And, it's weirder than that. There are ways in which, I mean, you know, like Watchmen, like you say, is, is about American politics explicitly – but there are also, I mean, it's about Thatcherism in a lot of ways. You know? uh, absolutely. And, 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 I mean, and if you v watch for Vendetta, the way that, v and, Vendetta and, yeah, is absolutely. totally about Thatcherism. But if you watch the oh, ways in which. Which, which in by which, the way, it's, it's the 5th of November as we record this. <laughs> it is the 5th of November. Remember the 5th of November. <laughs> but, like, but these days, you know, you look at the Iraq War and how much. Uh, you know, people in Britain are going to look at Tony Blair in terms of that, the same way we're going to look at George W. Bush in the ways in which the two cultures are still so connected. And so there's yeah. a way in which they'll, they'll never separate back out, you know, Absolutely. even though they might take our specific superheroes as a, as a cultural touch point and make their thing, in which way they're, they're still making it their own thing. And, it, and it's a weird back and forth in that way. You could write a book about that, I think, and you'd, that was some interesting points you brought up. But I think the, uh, the colonial and, and, and British stuff is a mutual fascination yeah uh, well we're interested that, but... in the way that they do things because it's different but it's also very similar you know we're all anglican we're all sort of the same you know we get <laughs> our versions of of politics from them uh but we in turn are a much bigger country and influence them and you know yeah i mean i have no interest it, in that I, I had this weird thing i went when i went to italy i get stuck in a in, in a foreign country with like people from France and all these other countries and you know if you get stuck in a country with 40 other people you and the Brits are the best friends on earth because, <laughs> because here's the thing like you got some French and some fucking Italians like a bunch of Italians and maybe some like Bolivians and like whatever some Serbians and you find a Brit and you're like we are the same <laughs> and you both go looking for a pub and you both sit down and you can get you it's weird how well you relate to Brits even though you have n like your countries aren't the same, but they really are. It's weird how Brits are your friends, and and you uh, think the other countries are weird in all the same ways. Yeah, and that you Brits. I mean, it in about five minutes you can understand everything different about a British person, about what they speak. You you can figure it out in five minutes. Mm -hmm. uh, it's really weird, and uh, you know, I, I had this experience where it was like, I'm stuck in this country where uh, I've got like you know. Some South Africans, some Serbians, and they kind of speak English, and some Italians who kind of speak English. But your best friends are now English because uh, they understand you. They watch your movies. You grew up with their movies. Uh, the only thing different is maybe they say some Cockney shit you don't understand, but they can explain it to you in a minute <laughs> and a half. And, you know, it's like... Uh, they really our, like sausage and fried fish. They yeah. refer to it as a lift or a flat. Well, do you think? Yeah. It's, do you but think it's? They're a, gonna stand uh, in a queue. But we love it's, we love what they love. They love what we love. Don't you think it's sort of like a mutual uh, admiration, but hidden like a hidden? To, I mean, this may make completely no sense whatsoever. But and feel free to edit this out <laughs> if, if I make no sense. But I mean, looking in generalities, 
going back to what you were talking about, Kyle, you know, the back and forth between comics, uh, superhero comics, British comics, but then the back and forth. But, I mean, you see that in other mediums. Music, obviously. Sure. The back and forth, yeah. rock and roll, you know, punk, that kind of stuff. Uh, films. I yeah, mean, absolutely. Uh, that, so you see that back and forth, and do you think it's 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 sort of like, you know, we look at the British in a certain light of uh, we want to be like them in certain ways, and and vice versa. Like the Americans have, oh, well, we I, have I, this I, like cr- like Americans have a cr- sort of wild ass hair, like you know, I, crazy I, I, rebel I, I think, sort I think of thing. There, I think there was like a parent child relationship for a long time, and it's not it's not quite that anymore. But no, yeah, but I, I think it's I, like the it's like it's like oh, you have your older brother. And then the okay, younger, yeah, crazy, yeah, yeah, yeah. fucking, you know. Yeah. yeah we both and in one ways, you really, you really are jealous of your younger brother because he's off, you know, like in Mexico, you know, getting drunk on tequila and banging whores. But at the same time, <laughs> he looks. But at the same time, like he's looking up at his older yeah. brother, going, "Oh it's shit, that. I should it's be more responsible." That. Yeah. And I think that the Brits have always been really good at pointing out things. In Americans that Americans relate to, they can see it from the outside, but they see it with the amount of understanding mm-hmm. that we couldn't get from someone from France or whatever. There's yeah. a reason that in American comics, like in our country, who the hot writers are either English or American. That's it. We don't have fucking hot French writers. Why? Because they're, they're, there's a very simple. They speak fucking French. <laughs> well, they, and their culture is very no, but different. Yeah. But when you hear Grant Morrison talk about. Why All Star Superman is about the promise of America, or you know, all yeah, because these they of get us ideas. and we get them. Yeah, and and uh, there's a. Re- I mean, that's why you know the, you're the, making you guys are making me not hate the British as much. As <laughs> no, they are us. I mean, there is no way around it. I th- I think the reality of like uh, you look at the most popular TV shows and you look at House and you look at the, our best actors that we really respect. They are always uh, colonial based. They're Australian or they're 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 uh, they're British, and and but. We we see ourselves in them, but we see a reflection of us, and that is what makes that. What always gives me faith in the United States is that we're willing to sort of look outside and see different versions yeah. of ourselves. I, I think I think the the sibling, unless they're Mexican, the, 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 <laughs> right, right, of course. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, I, I said the 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 mother, father, and and, and kid, but but the British really are like siblings. I think, uh, that, absolutely, that, yeah, and and they know it. I mean, like, I mean, literally in those situations where I've been placed with, I'm an American, I'm with Brits. Look, we seek each other out, man. You know, it's like in a weird way. I mean, Europe, and we love Brits, beer and sport. Yeah. You know, when I was in, you know, I'm in Italy, and like those Brits are looking for me because they know I want to go drink it, and they know that Italians don't want to do that. They know that Italians don't even have fucking bars in their in their country. So like in this weird way, Brits are like, "Hey, mate, you know, let's go fucking tear it up because I know you're American. You like a fucking pub, yeah." And we'll watch any sort of football, American or otherwise, yeah. and we'll give high fives. We'll fucking get shit faced. We'll, we'll make play some darts, and it'll be good. And, and we didn't think I'll say is this: is that I found a lot of guys who I've met from um, from Britain. Like one guy I know, I who I own email with. You're listening to this, Rob Williams, who does who sure. does a lot of stuff. He's way into the NFL, yeah. super into the NFL. Which but I don't how many think Americans you'll find you know that are really into soccer? You know, you know who else? Anthony, Chris, Anthony Johnson. Oh, no. Anthony Johnson is a friend of Robert. Anthony, he's a good guy too. Anthony yeah. Johnson. They're more into football than I am. I don't even watch football. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm asking Anthony. I'm in New York and asking uh, Anthony Johnson about. We're in a cab and I'm asking about either. Like, are you a rugby or a, or a soccer guy? And he's like, neither. 
I'm like, what? He's like, I'm a Dolphins fan. It's like, get the fuck <laughs> out. Really? Yeah, I mean, I think what you're going to see, and one of the cool things about comics is we're always ahead of the game, right? Before, in, in a weird way, and this is the cool thing about comics because it's cheaper and faster and everything else about it, we were, we were Anglophiles before the rest of culture. We had hired Alan Moore to write fucking shit and make it awesome. We, we had the bad girl craze before they did. We had zombies before the mainstream did. We are Vampires. literally the cultural thermometer. And if people were smarter, they would take our anal temperature a lot faster. <laughs> I was going to say, it's an anal thermometer. <laughs> right. Well, I think they're trying. I think it is getting quicker and quicker. But though. it is actually, kind of, literally, is, if you want to take the, the fucking flavor of what's going on, uh, check comics, man. Because yeah. you're faster. We can do it better and faster than they can mm-hmm. in, in things that cost more money. I, uh, more I diverse. Make, I mean, you know, uh, literally, if you really look at it, what do you think it cost Kirkman to make Walking Dead number one? To make it? To make it. 2000 well, he bucks. probably didn't pay Tony shit. So. Yeah. <laughs> he got money in the back end. The whole thing probably cost $2,000, yeah, right. tops. But here's the, the wonder of that. You take the cultural thermometer, it takes off, costs you $4,000. To make that same thing for TV or film oh. costs you $6 millions of dollars. I wanted to go back to a point you had brought up before, Kyle. You had sort of you know, taken a shot at people that... You know, maybe come to comics and 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 write something specifically designed as a pitch. As a pitch. Yeah. And and I understand Boy, God, the sort of seen enough of that. Yeah, but you know, I, but I've sort of started to rethink the the my disdain of that kind of thing because it's like, well, it's not a bad idea to do that. First of all, no. I no. mean, it's like, what's what's better, something tangible that you can show someone that a could have been you know actually has. But are sales you asking numbers? for people to fund your pitch? But I guess I guess it, it depends on how much a snob you want to be about. Art, you know, capital A art. Well, you know, even, when I even, read comic even the books, worst I don't comics, art. even the worst comics that are done by people who consider themselves cartoonists first or consider themselves comic creators first, they are interested in comics. And I think the problem is, I, if if somebody who comes and I interview these people a lot during the day, I interview a lot of guys who maybe start as film screenwriters or they start as crime novelists, but they love comics and they come into comics because not not just because they think they can get it sold, but also because they think. I, I dig comics. I'm into it. You know, I've interviewed Victor Gishler, who's doing X Men right now, and yeah, but you don't have to, you don't have to love first. comics to to make comic books. I mean, no, no, I, no. But I, I think there's a lot of people who make comics who just who literally take their screenplay and they say, "Hey, artist, figure out how to fucking put this on the page." Sure, well, you know, yeah, and, yeah. I, and I think no, I think no, that's, I, I, that's I think the kind of thing ju- you want to discourage against. Well, well, you know, but, but I think you but just have to judge everything on its own merit, not necessarily. Oh, well, that's how Stan did it. Yeah, well, that's what I mean. It's like he, you know, it's like. We, we, we all of a sudden hold comic books up to this some sort of imaginary standard that doesn't really exist because I, I've talked to enough comic book creators that do it for a living. They don't hold it up to that standard. It's only us as fans that hold it up to, to it's something that isn't realistic or, or has ever yeah. existed in the medium. I, I almost vehemently disagree. But I, 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 <laughs> I appreciate that you've got that different standard. But yeah. I think, and maybe it is because, like you said earlier, there's a thing in which comic fans are really precious about comics and, and really sure. want comics to, to succeed in a certain way. But, I mean, I, I am protective of comics as an art form in and of themselves. And so whenever I see somebody who comes in and wants to look at comics only as a way to exploit that cheaper, easier, more more accessible medium in order to get themselves something else. No, I, no, I view oh, that and as I, and, I agree, and I agree with you. It's it's whenever it whenever it whenever it goes beyond 
creating it for what it is. It, 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 whenever you say, you know, here, I'm going to give this, give this to the artist, and you draw it how you want to, and then we'll we'll we'll, well, figure, but, we'll I mean, figure it out. What but, it, but, that's but this fine. is a theoretical but, situation. But, yeah. But 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 has I agree. This existed? I, has well, I, done I agree this? with Kyle. It's like you know, make comics I mean, for comics' sake, not not as the first step. Exactly. In something if more. I get the, the impression well, from you that you're making want, a comic, I don't want it to be transmedia. No, no, I, no, think, that's, I don't want to be trans. If I get the feeling from you that you're making a comic and you'll be happy with, oh, I made an awesome comic and never gets picked up as anything else. But I'm really glad I got to tell the story in some way. That's fine. But Wherever that you come from, that, wherever that should, you come from, not, that has nothing to do with whether or not it's a good story. That has nothing to do with whether, and that's all I but want. I, but I don't I give a shit you why you're at, doing it. Just tell me a good story. It doesn't matter yeah. if your aspiration is for you to have a franchise of 13 films and sell toys. If that's what you want, go for it. All I want is a good story. I don't care what your intention but you, is. I'm saying as, you a person, see. as a person who has read a lot of these comics that have been made for X, Y, or Z reasons, I find qualitatively sure. that a lot of people who do this shit don't end up making good stories. Right. I mean, there yeah. are certainly that movie pitches case, that made but... great comics, but the, the 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 thing is you can usually tell is when you see something that's a movie pitch, it's like, <laughs> I had this script and it really wasn't made for comics and it's drawn by a guy who I paid a shit amount of money and he made this he, kind he of fucking half-ass crap. Yeah. And yeah, that you can you can see that. Certainly if you accidentally made a great comic book in a pit, on the way to a movie pitch, I can't fault how, you. But but how often does that happen? I mean, well, I mean, hey, 30 Days know. a Night. I don't know. Steve Niles originally conceived 30 Days a Night as a movie, and it's a fucking awesome comic. I think it's a way better comic than it ever was as a movie. Oh, great. I you know? agreed. You it's know? more style. I mean, that's a lot of that might be Ben. I think it's a pretty good movie. But I, it's a good movie. It's a fine movie. And I, it's I don't it's one of my movie. dad's favorite movies. My dad saw that movie and said, did you ever see that? You ever read that comic? I'm like, yeah, I know that guy. Oh fuck! That was a great movie. <laughs> you know what I mean? But like, I Pass think me a high life. Yeah, 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 yeah. Cheers to my dad. I'm gonna drink some high life right now. But I mean, I think there's a certain reality of like, uh, I mean, I and maybe you know, it, it might sound weird for me to say as a guy who sold the fucking uh, comic as a movie, but uh, how I can tell it's different is. You know, if I only want to do Hack Slash and sell it as a movie, I would have fucking quit and done something else. I would have sold sure. it as a movie and I said, fuck this, I'm going to do something else. I'm going to do something I can sell again. Come up but with another pitch. I was so compelled by those comics and I want to do comics about things I love that I was going to keep doing that comic. And six years later, I'm still fucking doing that goddamn <laughs> comic to my own lament and, you know. Uh, yeah, but I'm just saying, all I'm saying is I don't, I think there can be something in between there. No, I you know what I mean? I, I, don't I don't think everybody that makes a comic has to be, I love comics, I'm going to do it whether anyone no, reads it or that, not. not everybody makes a film loves film. I don't agree that there's a litmus test, but I think that if somebody there's, says, I really wanted to make a movie, I'll look at that comic more suspect. As well you should. And well, there are certainly yeah, companies that exist to make movie pitches, I, I, and you I, well, can tell. Well, well and they come right out and say it, you know. You know? Yeah. But, but I, th I think we're all in agreement that it doesn't matter as long as you're telling a good story. Just tell me a good That's all. Just that's what I'm saying story. is just tell me a good story. I don't give a shit why. I don't care what your you know, intention is. All I care about is a good story. And, I don't, you know. I don't and I'm going to bring it back to where we started as, as uh -oh. we wrap up here. We're and wrapping up already? It's so early. We're two hours. We're over two hours in. I know it's a, you know eight months off and, and the it guy. It seems wants to like talk you guys forever. had a lot to say and you really could have done more. I mean, I, I don't think Colin and I made it easier for you. But. No. <laughs> well, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring it back to the beginning and we have The Walking Dead, which is a fantastic comic, which tells a great story 
and now we have the TV adaptation of it. That was a movie pitch from the beginning. Yeah, obviously, <laughs> obviously, yeah. obviously. But but I think that's but it a, really that, wasn't. That, yeah. that that's a great lesson is that you have you have a great comic that has turned into what is hopefully going to be a great TV show, and it's it's the it's boiling it down as telling good stories. A good story is a good story. Just just do that. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, I want to. I want to thank our guest um, for tonight. Totally uh, farted, by the way. <laughs> I don't know if you showed Damn. up. But I heard it while I was sitting. <laughs> that's a. That's like a Miller High Life fart. That's terrible. It's uh, terrible. I'm uh, sorry. Creator and uh, gassy creator, uh, Mr. Tim Seeley. Uh, we're gonna look for uh, for Hackslash as always, and, and Ant Man Wasp. Ant-Man Wasp. November 10th. Buy the shit out of that because that will determine whether Marvel ever invites me to do something ever again. <laughs> I've seen pages. It looks awesome. Yeah, if you like it, tell others. Mr. Kyle Figley, um, go to Comic Book Resources and read your stuff. And I will plug, uh, I'm, I'm on a blog with some other guys who work in comics, and rather than give you the, it's called the Cool Kids Table, rather than give you the URL, go to Twitter and it's the CKT. You can find it that the, way. Okay, I'll follow you. All right, so, um, at Brian Salazar. That's uh, me. On uh, Fanboy at, Legion, go to fanboylegion.com. Oh, buy yes, some patches. Yes, yes, this episode of Around Comics is brought to you by the, the Fanboy, Fanboy Legion. Legion. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that company's going out of business soon. No, oh. no, no, I'm just kidding. Oh, I'm uh, hacking Tim Seeley for Twitter. By the way, I don't know hacking Tim Seeley. Hacking. Hey, it's uh, it's great to be back. Um, we'll be back uh, for uh, December. Probably, probably. <laughs> are, are we? Gonna, Hopefully, uh, we gonna squeeze one more fucking month we'll, out of it. We'll, we'll, yeah, we'll be I fine. Like the, we don't say, have to. We hey, don't have to make any commitments. I here. like the non-committal aspects, yeah. of this, but I feel like you guys are on that date where it's like this is kind of going pretty well. Don't we're fuck, don't we're fuck probably it up. gonna fuck on this date. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just guarantee that at least we'll get to anal. Like this is what I feel like you're. Chris saying. is trying to close the deal over here. Yeah, and I'm like, that, I'm not that kind of girl, Chris. I think that I think that he's gonna ride you into the sunset. I think Chris is gonna fuck you all night. That's what I think this podcast is no. saying. No, no. <laughs> We're gonna stop there. <laughs> I made it down the coast in 17 hours. Picking me a bouquet of dogwood flowers. And I'm hoping for Riley I can see my baby tonight. So rock me, mama, like a wagon wheel. Rock me, mama, any way you feel. Hey. Views expressed by guests of Around Comics are solely those of the individuals expressing them and may not reflect the opinions of Around Comics. Any reproduction, rebroadcast, or retransmission without the express written consent of Around Comics is strictly prohibited. All content presented in this program is the sole property of Around Comics, and this has been an Around Comics production, copyright 2010. Running from the cold up in New England I was born to be a fiddler in an old time string band My baby plays a guitar, a big banjo now All oh, North Country winners keep forgetting me And I lost my money playing poker So I had to up and leave But I ain't turning back To live that old life no more